mortal realms and Age of Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path to the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies on the hunt this episode are... Hey, my name is Paul, and I, I just can't think of a pun this week. I'm sorry. Like, I'm just totally, totally out. I don't believe you. I mean, I, I, I am. <laughs> I was literally going through. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I can make a joke about this, but it was so niche. Like, I was literally going to make a joke about the fact that um, there's a F1 racer whose last name is Hunt as, like, the long hunt. But I was mm. like, this is so freaking niche. Nobody's ever going to get it. Because it's been 1976 is the last time he won the F1 Racers Championship. So, like, there you go. I'm, There's my pun. Appreciate I'm it. I'm still not convinced this isn't one long bit. I feel like this is a setup, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Paven. I'm back for another one of these. What is the poetic meter that Vandis uh, uh, Hammerhand feels uh, kind of mixed feelings about? Uh, yeah, it's Iona's pentameter. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I'm Will, and I also don't have a pun, but I am going to have to owe some money here in a little bit. Because when the crusade left Hammer Hall, and the greatest miracle of all is when Ionis and his best friend Vandis came together for the longest hunt. <laughs> Uh, and I'm Aaron, and living in Wisconsin, I'm pretty sure all hunts are way too long. It's cold out there, um, and it's also redundant. Uh, anyways, in this episode, this, we are not starting off on a great track right nope. here, because this is ridiculous. Um, in this episode, we cover the lore of Dawnbringers, the long hunt. Uh, friends become enemies. Enemies become friends. The real Dawnbringer crusade is the friends we made along the way who then became enemies. As you might expect, the Dawnbringers keep their friends close and their enemies closer. And with friends like these, who even needs enemies in the first place? The Dawnbringers, that's who. I think you guys get the idea. Uh, tonight, how are you all, you diminishing souls? That's you guys. I'm doing good. I actually did have a pun lined up, but I figured everybody was going to use it. Uh, okay, I so, can spice right. it in, I guess. Who has the Infinity Gauntlet? <laughs> Bell Thanos. There you go. Thank you. There we go. Nailed it. Yep, I did. you're really running the risk that everyone was going to use. Yeah, everyone. I, know. <laughs> I was like, everybody's going to use this one because it's so <laughs> obvious. And then nobody used it. Nope. Hey, hey, Paven, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> Such a great start tonight. Uh, and Will, how about yourself? I'm doing good. And nice. I know... We've gone kind of crazy with the intro, but it makes sense that for the longest hunt, we have the longest intro. So <laughs> we're just dragging this out. All right. You know, let's get through it. Let's, let's muscle our way through um, and let's get to the first thing that we normally talk about, uh, which is, hey, what have you guys been doing up in, in the old hobby lately? Let's do the same order. Hey, Paul, what you been hobbying on these days? I have been painting up Bill Thanos. And, Bill Thanos. Uh, I love him. He is an absolutely fantastic, gorgeous model. Um, I had to convert him because I have to convert everything, uh, but particularly because <gasps> all my Sylvan have <laughs> six limbs. And also, there was actually, in my opinion, a lower limb, a lower reason to convert him because they talk about how there's these thorn arrows that appear in the lore. But nobody's actually firing them. So I actually gave him hmm. a bow so he could be the one firing the thorn arrows. Oh. Don't you use lore for evil, Paul. Don't you try and turn my <laughs> precious lore against me. That's legitimately my entire purpose in life. I mean, it is what it is. 
mission accomplished. Um, all right, very cool. Uh, working on anything else worth noting? Uh, trug, fitness and off trug. So all right, just trugging along. Two heavy huh? hitters. That's <laughs> true. Now you gotta make them, make them fight, mm-hmm. make them kiss. Uh, hey, Paven, what uh, <laughs> what are you up to in the hobby? Uh, I'm doing a little bit of Eldar. I'm doing a little bit of Warhammer Underworlds Warbands. I'm Ooh. doing a lot of. I did a lot of terrain. Uh, and now I'm like stressing out because we got Mortal Realms Con. Woo! Woo-woo. Five days? Four days? Yeah. Oh, it's no. way too soon. <laughs> I'm not going to close. I have yeah. my stuff done. I, I was going to think about that after we record the podcast, not before. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I was definitely like, what am I doing committing to a podcast this week? Like, I don't, <laughs> I have no uh, you and me both, because I also have to edit it whilst trying to get my stuff painted. Um, I added an extra day off of work just today so that I can like try and squeeze some stuff in. So, nice. I mean, don't tell. Yeah, it's, it's for a real reason. Work. Let's uh, all quit our jobs. Yeah. Fingers I have crossed. a mental health day where I need to paint bloody skulls all day long. <laughs> we can only quit our jobs if you, the patrons, helped us out. Anyways, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, where are we, how short are we are, uh, for our patron goal for we all, all quitting our jobs? Uh, <laughs> Just a few short, patrons. Sure. It could be you. Put us I over could, the end. I couldn't take an hour off of work uh, for what uh, the Patreon is covering, right? Um, hey, Will, what are yeah. you up to in the old hobby? Um, so first, I've been working on my uh, Cities of Hob uh, Iron Roll Great Cannon that... Games Workshop sent us. Thank you. Uh, so it's just cool Hopgrats manning a big cannon. Um, very minimal conversion work. Um, I mean, just to make sure that they're tools. Both sides of the front of the cannon. I mean, you and the top what? side. You um, did what? That's not minimal. And, that's like. And then I also cut off hands off the people um, so I can put their hands on the Hopgrats. Guys are killing me. Minimal. Looks awesome. Uh, and on top of that, I painted up Iona's Cryptborn in the colors of the Stormscale Covenant, which is my dragon-themed Stormcast. So just just felt too fitting. I feel like you're really um, burying the lead there. That's I mean, that's my yeah. jam. Now I'm into that. Yeah, well, the thing is, I also convert all of my Stormcast Covenant models to have dragon heads, but I didn't this time because this head is too good. So just paint the plastic. All right, so what have I been doing in the hobby? Um, still corn stuff. Uh, did I say corn stuff last time? I can't remember. But in, I think in preparation did. for Mortal Realms Con, um, I'm doing all every uh, flesh hound thing that I own, which I'm pretty sure is everything. Um, painting it all up to make a little because I want to do. We're doing Underworlds, so I got to get. I'm sorry, forgive me if I already said this, but uh, Underworlds, so I got to do what's his name, Magor's uh, fiends, um, doing Warcry, so I got to get a. Uh, Claws of Care. And I can me just rattling off names like I know stuff. And then uh, in Path to Glory, we got to get, he's not Corgus Call, um, but it's just the Mighty Lord of Corn with um, a Flesh Hound plus Karanak and then a fiber of Flesh Hounds. So this is kind of fun. Um, except, guys, I'm going to tell you a horror story. You want to hear something? It's going to scare you. It's, My it's God. appropriate for the season, the Halloween oh, no. season. Did you convert something? Did you convert something? F no. And I can oh. say that because it's not a swear. Um, so here's what I did is at one point I had painted up some dudes, like I think blood reavers or something And uh, I had used flesh terrors red, but at yeah. some point I got it mixed up and I had pulled out my blood angels red halfway through, oh. not noticing what was going on. And I've just now discovered my discrepancy. And now some of my dudes flesh terrors red, the other set of dudes, blood angels red. I might as well throw them all in the trash. I might as well basically stomp on them because what 
a colossal mix-up. Um, this is why I'm going to double down everybody. that you converted your models because you painted them with the wrong color paint. Ugh, ugh, it's so gross. I, I feel terrible about this. Um, it's Mortal Realms Con. People told me not to do it. I was said they said, "Aaron, don't do it. It's a dumb idea," and they were right. Um, so. Yeah, this is where I'm at. Uh, but here we uh, are. But here we are four days out. Um, though this won't be released beforehand. Um, so that's what I've been doing in the hobby. Anybody else doing anything else that they feel like sharing? I am going to try and get another table painted um, from the the Maw Pit from Hunter and the Hunted, along with a couple of the dragons from uh, the Gur terrain box set that I have. See if I can get that all set and done. We'll see. Um, Bofanos is finished, so I'm happy with that. But finished. Um, should we put a picture of it in some sort of show notes? Maybe I don't know we can talk about that after the fact. I don't want to make any promises. Um, I, yeah, I think we should do. A, I think there's a discussion to be had about posting all of our stuff, like on the website or on the Discord. And some we need a thing. social media manager is what we do. So hey, listeners, if you're interested in the uh, unpaid internship of social media manager, please let me know. Um, actually, that kind of is sort of a segue into some Moral Realms plugs. Guys, we're going to do a story phase momentarily, but I, I got some very interesting information for you listeners. Uh, for example, you can find more episodes of this podcast and all our other shows at themortalrealms.com. Uh, you can get ready for this. Uh, you can email us your feedback at mortalrealms at gmail.com. There is no the in that email address. And you know who knows that there's no the in that email address? Who? A listener who sent us an email. Here's the deal. What? I had no intention of reading emails. That's not really a, a gimmick or a bit that I want to do on the show. But you know what? We had it's been so long since we got one, and this individual was so kind to send us one that I feel like you know what? Maybe I'll maybe I'll read. Plus, it's short. I'll read a little. I'll read a little email. So uh, we got we got a, a message from Seth. Seth A. He knows who he is. Um, he says he writes. Um, Listening to episode eighty four, and you guys said you need feedback. So I think you guys are awesome. Seth thinks we're awesome, you guys. Uh, just started Aww. building the Stormcast Eternals army, and I can't wait to get the dice rolling myself. Hopefully your team is having a fun October smiley face. Cheers, Seth. Hey, Seth. Thanks for the email. I didn't respond via email, and you're probably wondering, hey, those jerks, they didn't even send, they didn't even respond. I sent this email, and they didn't get back. Hey, I'm doing you one better. I'm reading you on the show. Um, do you guys have anything to say to Seth for sending us a cool email? Hi, Seth. Thank you. I appreciate the smiley face. I think that's pretty awesome. Sure. I, I, I wouldn't have known his tone otherwise. So like the smiley face really cemented it. Uh, um, hey, Seth, I appreciate it. Uh, hey, listeners, I make no promises if you send me emails th that I will or will not read them on the show unless they're particularly funny. Um, so there's that. Now let's get back to the notes and back to my spiel. Um, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash the mortal realms to support the show, get early releases of the story phase and access semi-exclusive or sometimes exclusive content like the Pocket Realms, which are short story phases by Davey and myself. We have not done one in a while, but I'm soon i swear to god soon and also uh what is it warhammer bros uh with paven and his brother hint 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 paven um well, i'll give you a warhammer bros update okay here's the thing the whole <laughs> the premise of the show for those that haven't haven't uh listened is that me trying to convince my brother to play warhammer with me and it's getting tough he's he got really busy and he hasn't been doing any of his warhammer and now he feels guilty for not doing his Warhammer, which he did, oh, I told him is part of Warhammer. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, an integral component to it. He's a, he's a true Warhammer. Right he's now. like, I didn't, I haven't painted my army yet. I couldn't, I couldn't show myself to the listeners. And I'm like, 
I think they'll understand. Does he know so, what I do on a monthly basis? Yeah, I think so, he should listen to, you know, a podcast about Warhammer to see how many yeah. people do not paint Warhammer. Yeah. So I got to, I got to, I got to reel him back in. Um, <laughs> so I'm working on it. I'm working I can't on wait. it. Just can't wait. Um, uh, where is I? And oh yeah. And if you can't or don't want to pitch in monetarily, that's totally cool. Then head on over to your podcast service of choice and give us a review um, or like a star rating or I think there's some places where you can leave comments on stuff. So like you could do that too. Um, or just go ahead and tell a friend about the moral realms. And that friend will tell a friend and that friend will tell a friend and we will take over the world. Um, the world. So yeah, there's a little spiels. And then uh, we're going to get into the story phase. We're going to talk about uh, Dawnbringer's uh, The Long Hunt. But last thing before we do is we got to say, hey, GW sent us the book so that we could review it and talk about it with you fine folks. And so to that, we would say, hey, thanks, Dubs. Yes. Also, thank you for sending the first thorn as well because, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't mention that. All right, cool. We've been dancing around the subject for a while. Let's get into the story phase. That's what everybody's here for. Hey, Paul, would you be so kind as to take us there? The story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the Nine Realms. Um, hey, all right, so sorry, folks, we're here. We made it. Whew, close one. Um, so what is this, the third of our Dawnbringers books? Uh, that's yep. exciting. We made it this far. I, what, over halfway? Perhaps halfway? Who's to say? Um, in our series here. Uh, again, I know folks have been following along closely at home. We don't need to catch those people up, but let's pretend like there are people who have never listened to a Mortal Realms episode before. They don't know the first thing about Dawnbringers, and for whatever reason, they picked this episode to start. Let's try quickly, so very, very quickly. Try and catch people up as to where we are currently, and you can define that in any way you would like as long as it is fast. Um, hey, guys, what, what do folks need to know going into this book? Number one, this is book three. So we got book one and book two. Um, we also have a lot of stuff that's kind of in between as well. So you want to kind of check out Warhammer Community. You want to check out White Dwarf. You want to check out a bunch of other things to get those like little things that connect through. And we're probably going to be talking about a couple of those in this episode. So mm -hmm. FYIs. You guys will be talking about those things because Lord knows I have not read those. <laughs> um, as far as where we are in the story in book three, uh, we are following the Twin Tailed Crusade. The city of Hammerhall has launched two crusades, one into the realm of life, Gairan, one into the realm of fire. Actually, things are not going well. Uh, the realm of fire had to fight off a bunch of giant Trogoths led by uh, King Trug. And the Gairan crusade had to fight off a bunch of giants led by King Brod. King Did we talk about how it was this, it was the, the reign of Bruce? It, it didn't even occur to me that it was a two two different kings. Um, yeah, right. So <laughs> that's fun. That's fun. Or, or reign, um, and also reigns in Gairan too with the raid. It's just it's just the play on words, and I love it. Um, yeah. So um, what else? Any any other things that folks need? I mean, that's that's a great foundational bedrock. Uh, fun little tidbits that people want to make sure that they recall. I mean, one of the things is that we are talking about a Dawnbringer Crusade, which is a third edition thing for sure. Um, so. Um, third edition being uh, the era of the beast in Age of Sigmar and they are going out to try and reclaim lands that have been claimed before by Sigmar but now have been controlled by other things so it very much is a crusade um, and that's that's kind of a, a big part of this um, this lore for this book in particular is that there's an obligation to do this uh, so it, it's interesting to see how they move that forward and how they adapt that in this book, in my opinion. Yeah, true, true. 
um, all right. Like the pre- two previous books, uh, this one is basically split in half, right? Like it has, uh, it's a book of two parts, uh, focusing mm-hmm. on both the Axian and the Gyranian. You mean a I, tale of I, two I cities? Yeah. Uh, yes. No, one city. Or a city with two tails. <laughs> yeah, a city with Hold, there's a joke in there somewhere. What? It's not a tale of two cities. It's the cities with two tails. Oh, that's yeah. fun. That's great. I'm, I'm sure someone else has made that. Literally you just a second ago has made that. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> You're going to edit my part out. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, God, everyone laughs and laughs. Uh, all right. Um, so let's then focus in the order that it was. we received it, the Action Crusade. So, all right. Uh, let's, zoom, let's zoom out. Um, let's talk about how it's going in Hammer Hall. Because they've gotten news about how the Crusades went in the last book, which we've covered is bad. They got their butts <laughs> kicked and they just run away, um, which is not a good place for a crusade to be. Um, they've lost two major strongholds. Um, Truce Break and Fort Gardas have both fall. So we're actually down two cities. Mm-hmm. So at so best, we're breaking even. I was going to say, these yeah. states have to, have to find two, yet, yet again, they have to found four cities to like <laughs> come out ahead. Um, yeah. Um, and so they talk about how things are going in Hammerhall, which is where these, these crusades originated. Um, people are unhappy. The crusades were kind of unpopular or at least controversial when they were launched. And this is just adding fuel to that flame. Um, however... In Hammershaw, actually, especially, uh, religious zeal is running hot. Um, so people are feeling pretty fanatical about things generally. And so that's keeping morale up. But, you know, fanaticism can get out of hand. Um, particularly what is added fuel of the flame is um, uh, Pontifex Zenestra, who's part of one of the Crusades, did a really cool uh, flaming wheel move. Uh, to save the crusade at the end of the last book. And so people are pumped about that. Um, but uh, especially the wheel, the cult of the wheel, which mm-hmm. is a part of the, the, the Sigmar cult that she is a part of, which is the dumb cult because they don't believe in <laughs> using wheels. They just believe no. in hold, like holding them up. The wheel um, is a symbol. It's not a, yeah, it's the not wheel a, is a symbol and it's not supposed to be used for locomotion. Something so base. <laughs> Um, so they're real idiots. Um, they've been real so, dumb for that invention. Yeah, and so they really, they're messing stuff up in the city because they're getting all excited. Um, <laughs> and so that's going on. Uh, also, it, it, there was a short call out to our friend Zane Dolores, who is Grant, the Grand Conclave's hidden hand, kind of spy master, FBI kind of type guy, um, <laughs> who just got everybody to stop burning people. Um and now, you know, this, now that like you got the wheel group up in, up in, uh, you know, up in arms or up, you know, just too, too excited. So these are going okay, but not great at, on the home front. They're wheel crazy there. That's for sure. <laughs> Very good. So I had a question. Yeah. And my question was we have Pontifex Zanestra, right? Who is the character who is actually on the Dawnbringer Crusade. But then yes. we have Supreme Fonz effects, Alethris Vinx, which is a character. I don't know if we've had her mentioned before, but she's the one back in the city. And my understanding was that Pontifex Sinestra was the leader of the Wheel of the Cult. But now we have this other Supreme yes. Pontifex that well, apparently is not the leader of the cult, or but is also definitely approving what's going on at the cult. 
Does that make sense? So the cult of the wheel is just one aspect of the cult Unbarogan of all the different mm-hmm. faiths that worship Sigmar. And you're right, yes. Pontifex Sinestra, she is the matriarch of the wheel. So yeah. I think this Elithris Vanks is the person in charge of all of the cults. Yes. So they're just like, you know what? One cult is doing cool. I'm I'm here for it. Uh, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. Let's do this. Yeah, that was kind of my point is that uh, she seems to be adopting this other position. And so even though she's the Supreme Pontifex, we have potentially this power struggle going on where the leader of the, of the Wheel of the Cult is actually kind of telling the Supreme Pontifex what's going on. So I thought that was that was fun and a little bit of intrigue, if it were. Can you say the Supreme Pontifex's name again? Uh, it is, the Supreme Pontifex's name is Elethrus Vinx. Vinx, okay. So apparently yeah. there is a, a, a Pontifex in the Harbinger's book whose name was mm-hmm. Fente, and that's yep. apparently Ooh. another Pontifex. Was was, yeah. was that the one that got killed? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't really, I haven't memorized the names, but we had a kind yeah. of a, a cleaning house that happened sure. between Darmbringers 1 and Darmbringers 2. Yeah, and it... It's funny that that's what like Zane Delorius is talking about because he helped Talia do the coup against that person because they were too zealous. And now he's seeing it happen again, but Talia's cool with it, so he can't do anything about it. He's like, literally, I just put out this fire, and now people are just stealing wheels left and right all across Hammerhall. And like, come on, what's going on? And then we didn't start the fire starts playing in the background. Um, okay. You I, owe me a dollar. Come on. I did, well, I didn't sing it though. So it's fine. Um, <laughs> I want to um, quickly talk about the cutaway that happens before we jump into the action crusade. Please. Yeah. Um, so this is a quick, you know, it, 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 scene, scene change. We're in Carcass Dance in Gur, which is the former homeland of Kragnos and his people. And... Kragnos, the god of earthquakes, and Gobsprack, the um, head uh, cruel boy? Yeah, the Uh, mouth of Mork. Mork. The mouth of Mork. Yeah, the mouth of Mork um, are trying to bust through a cliff uh, with with an army of cruel boys. And they're looking for a realm gate to maybe Kragnos' people are there? Question mark? Maybe. Um, Maybe. Um, And... They they bust through and they're they're gonna go through, um, and oh god, I don't think okay yeah, and they make it through. I guess is all that happens. Yeah, uh, yep. It doesn't allude to anything yet, but no. we have one clever guy and we have one guy known to be tricked. And so yes. I was just like, is Greg not gonna get tricked again? Is he gonna learn his lesson? Yeah, not even. We'll, uh, we'll get we'll get into it later, I guess. Well, and the thing is, like with these cutaways, they had one in the Harbinger's book with um, they had them like with Callus and Toll throughout the book. And then they like never actually showed up in the story. And I'm sure the same thing's going on. They're not just going to throw someone like Craig Nosen later in this book. So as an afterthought to the main plot of the story. No, of course not. Uh, no, not at all. It, it didn't happen in the last edition. It's not going to happen in this edition. I'm just telling you. I sure hope people don't hate that narrative or that device that we use <laughs> regularly. Yeah, if they don't like it, then oops. <laughs> they stopped listening a long time ago. Everybody has stopped listening well before this point. So. <laughs> True. <laughs> I didn't even have a pun. I mean, come on. Come on. Uh, all right. 
Anything else that we need to get out of the way before? Uh, yeah, they, they talk about Hammerhall Gyra a little bit. Uh, they talk about Rodigus and the Edver Queen may have battled. Also, people are upset there, but not as nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, they do mention that people are going missing mm-hmm. um, yeah. when they cross the Storm Rift, which is the realm gate between the two sides. Um, mm-hmm. So that's just more foreshadowing. We don't know why. I was going to say, and like they talk about um, how in the previous book, Gardas Steel Soul died fighting King Broad, RIP, and they're having the funerals. And it's just crazy that the Gyran side lost an important figure like Gardas, and the Akshi side lost an important figure and all of their wheels being stolen. And I feel like it's an equal footing <laughs> of sure. loss. Well, because it's one Gardas and like thousands of wheels. Exactly. And, and Gardas will come back. So, right. <laughs> Man. Henry Ford would not have survived in Hammerhall, actually, is all I'm going to say. Like, just imagine the one guy who's like, I got this great idea. We're just going to make a bunch of carts. And then all of a sudden the crusade happens. He's like, well, crap. There goes my whole investment. You can have whatever storm host you want as long as it's black. Um, <laughs> right? Did I make that joke? Yes. No, yeah. that was great. That was uh, uh, nailed perfect. It. Nice. Just comedy gold here. All right, cool. Um <laughs> Good. Uh, I had not seen any of your guys' notes above the action thing until right now. So now I understand why we're doing this. Okay, I get it. Uh, Thank you for that. Um, Any other thoughts about pre-Crusade stuff? There is one quick thing, um, which is that this is point one of point two that I'm going to make. If you read book two, which why would you not read book two? Or, hey, if you listen to our podcast about book two of Dawnbringers, you might know something going on about the iron jaws but there's a weird thing here where i don't think we're going to talk about iron jaws in this episode but if you want to know what happened to the iron jaws in the last episode before this episode happens which is book two to book three i know it's super confusing but you know what happened there was a white dwarf that was released between the two and the white dwarf actually has a story that says hey here's what happened to those iron jaws so paven i don't know if you know this but there's a little bit more story in white dwarf about your favorite he, faction in the most recent smacked. one, yeah. in the one before actually. So episode, f- I believe it, it is number four ninety two, if I put it correct. Yes. Yep. Okay. Correct. All right. I'll, I'll track it down. Less confusing. Is it what happened to the Iron Jaws after they chase? They went chasing off to the Stormcast, or was this before? Well, that? actually, this is what happened in the city of um, Fort Gardas after the city was taken, like broken into. But beforehand, there's basically this like whole thing going on where a bunch of Iron Jaws are like, hey, we want to keep fighting. And also the leader who's like, hey, we should maybe make some like intelligent decisions and maybe try and figure out how we're going to have like, you know, the best job killing people. But a bunch of the pigs are like, screw that. Like, we're going to go through this realm gate and like hang out and do some fun stuff over here. And the guy who's the main character in the narrative is like, I'm saying here. And we're going to have some other stuff going on. So in the end of these books, we've had these little like kind of paragraphs, couple paragraph things saying, hey, there are these other things going on. That's basically what we get here for the Iron Jaws. Um, so it, I, I thought it was super cool to inject that. And also, <laughs> here's another kind of note. If you haven't listened to our episodes yet, you might want to go back and listen to them. Because if you're going to listen to Warhammer TV, they actually have some spoilers about what happens in book two in the latest lore masters. So, Hey, yeah, exactly. They talked about what happened to Fort Gardas with King broad. And they talked about what happened to truce break, um, with shrug. So, um, 
GW is like going super current with what's going on uh, as far as all of their media releases are. So FYI. Paul did leave out a very important note of what happens in the White Dwarf story, which is you see Clonk, the anvil squig, headbutt a storm cast uh, till he dies. So <laughs> you've got that to look forward to. <laughs> Uh, you don't have to listen to episode one because nothing really happens in Dawnbringer. So. <laughs> Not really. No. But then, well, how would you know about that Pontifex we just referred to? I mean, I mean, I guess we just talked about yeah, it and I she mean, died. Yeah. Spoilers! <laughs> Spoiler tag. All right. So they're on the run from the Grotz. Uh, talk me through the scene. What do we see? It's very sad uh, because at the end of book two, not the end of the action part of book two, the Marshal of the Crusades sacrificed himself, blowing up this fort, trying to take out as many trogs as he could to buy the crusade time. And he bought them 15 minutes, it seems like. Um, the Grats are on the tails. It says they're killing cast-like formations before they can even turn around to shoot back. And it feels like this might be the end of us. And then they hear terrible news. There's giant dragon-like creatures in front of them. But the Dwarden with them get happy because they realize that these are the magma droths of the Fire Slayers. We were talking about Fire Slayers before. Fiori comes to the rescue. Yeah. I knew he'd come back. Uh, well, uh, Fiori? I mean, mm, well, I don't know who that Fiori guy is, but. What are you talking about? Our guy, our, our Fire Slayer. True, surely uh, the, 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 the grounding Fire Slayer element that we had from book one, who we were borderline certain would return uh, later. He's rallied his bros. Uh, they're riding Magma Dress and they come to save the day. Now they're saving him. They're saving him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they're in back pocket. <laughs> he's going back later. <laughs> yeah. he's gonna- I, I legitimately think that the characters in this book have think that he doesn't exist because they're like, that whole hold got taken care of. So they're all dead now. So we're going to go avenge him. So he's being avenged, even though he's not dead yet. So <laughs> hopefully that works out pretty well. Not dead yet. Yeah, no, it's, it's the deus ex machina at the end of the book. I'm yeah. calling it. Um, sorry, go ahead. So it's going to be that scene from um, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, where they're all mourning him, and he just walks up behind them like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> um, but with the Scottish accent. Uh, no, it's, I mean, and some would argue this is even, a, this is a bigger deal, but it's Bale Grimnir, I guess, some dude uh, who, who comes and, like, rides to save them i'm sorry go ahead so they say bail grimier the one of the most powerful of all the rune fathers yes i for one would have preferred fiori. i would have preferred fury but okay sure uh, yeah yeah like is he from something he runs the largest lodge the vasagri lodge yeah he's usually on a, a magma droth so has he been in any stories like has he done anything cool um, he, I mean, probably I <laughs> the fire slayers haven't done much in the lore, like big lore up until this point. They're like, it's always like a mercenary band of fire slayers, but we've never seen the fire slayers as like a people do much, but he's, he's the leader of like the poster boy faction, the Vostargi, which is why he's leading an entirely different lodge, the Lofnir. Okay. I do remember I do remember the Fire Slayers once betrayed the good guys at Lethus. Yes. So that's something. That's something. He wasn't there for that. He's... He wasn't there, <laughs> He wasn't even there for that one. That wasn't him. Okay. All right. Well, what, is, what does he do again? He takes the Magma Dross and he kills a bunch of Gortide with them. Um, yeah, because what it is... Not Gortide, Tragos, because... Yeah. 
as we mentioned, they are avenging the fallen holds. Um, and the stories that kind of led to us being introduced in Fury in Book One of Harbingers, most of these holds have been falling because Trogoths, led by Trug, have been killing everyone. And so now we have all of these Fire Slayer like almost refugees who no longer have a home who have some, they call it grudgment that they need to enact. And that's what they do. They ride the magma dross and they get the little Kindle dross and they just torch them. So I, I really enjoyed this moment in particular because it was a moment where the fire slayers were not completely all like mercenary. Uh, and, and what I'm talking about specifically is as soon as the Dawnmere Crusade showed up, Doomseekers just start streaming past them. Don't say a word and just like, oh, I see Trogus. They took out our vassal lodges. I'm taking them down. It was only when Bale Grimnir came in like, oh, okay, yeah, you actually owe us some money. Um, let's figure this out uh, before we accompany you and protect you. Uh, but we had some of this like good old fashioned dwarven grudgeon going on. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was super cool. Yeah. And that's kind of what I meant when I said, like, we've never seen the Fire Slayer people. We've only ever seen like basically faceless mercenary bands. Like they hadn't done stuff like this too often in the books. Um, so it's nice to to see. I'm trying to think if there's there's honestly not too many named characters in Fire Slayers as a whole, and even Bale Grimnir doesn't have a model, um, I will point out that there is one named Fire Slayer that is loosely germane to this conversation, which is the leader of the Chosen Axes, Fuel Grimnir, who is actually uh, uh, Bale Grimnir's like, grandfather. So um, if you want to talk about like important Fire Slayers, I mean, it has nothing to do with the story, really, but just it's an interesting tidbit in that the Underworld's Warband is being led by the, like the, the most powerful like leader, um, the grandfather of the most powerful leader of the, the Fire Slayers, who is this Bale Grimnir. And so the, like it's a side thing where like behind the scenes, where they're like, well, now that the grandfather's back, like should he be in charge instead? And there might be like a bone of contention. That's just a fun little tidbit. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up, though, is early, this is relatively early in our episode, we had a listener question about this very topic that uh, I want to make sure we bring up before I forget. Um, patron of the show, Drake, he had asked, uh, or they had asked, does any narrative thread connect Lothnir Drothkeepers with our old pad fu- pal Fiori? If our joke wasn't, our jokes weren't clear before, no, not at all. Other than maybe he was from one of those lodges that were the vassal lodges to he, the. He wasn't. He wasn't because his his lodge fell to the Skaven, not the. Oh, yeah. Oh, someone different. Steven. Nice try, Aaron. I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to get. Come on. Nothing from book one matters. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the flesh eater courts matter. Yeah, I said, yeah. Theoretically. <laughs> they, I guess they keep referencing Nurgle's reigns. I suppose that has some, I mean, maybe matters at some point too. Um, so Drake, no. <laughs> the answer is no. Um, good question though. Um, um, I do want to point out a quick thing here though. Um, so we have Magmadross, right? Which are super cool. But yeah. then we also have these other things, right? What are they called again, Will? The Kindle Droth. The Kindle Droth. Because they're not full magma or fire. There's tiny little kindlings. Because <laughs> we just had a model release, or we are mm-hmm. getting a model release. I don't even know if it happened yet or if it's happening mm-hmm. next week, um, where we have a new Fire Slayer Warcry Warband with Kindle Droths. Right? So I thought it was super cool that we started wrapping in... Um, some of these other releases 
into what's going on. And this yeah. is a trend that's going to continue as we move forward in the narrative. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Um, anything else about Fire Slayer's saving the day? Yeah, I'm just going to say I gave it some guff of like Balegrimnir is Vostarg and he's working with Lofnir. And that's not like a discrepancy. If you pull up the map, they're like right next to each other. So it makes sense that he's there. I just, it's funny because they really want to hammer in the new, like Paul said, the new kit that is Lofnir specific. But then they also need to get the Vostar hero and they're trying to to weave those together. I wonder why they cared enough to have Bale Grimnir in this story in that like he could have been anybody. It didn't need to be him. I wonder why. Um, so this is something I'm going to talk about on the Kyran side a lot more of, which is because um, they're actually looking at the maps uh, finally and looking at like, oh, wait, don't we have these factions within like a sure. few miles of each other? It, yeah. it, wouldn't it be weird if we didn't have them like show up? Okay, good point. Sure. Um, so I think that's what it is because if you like pull up the map where they're going, they go right by the Vastarg Lodge and it's like, if we know we have like the Fiori, who's like the last of his hold, it'd be weird if Bale Grimnir didn't walk out of the doors to help someone. And admittedly, if it was like a different faction with another name that we saw a lot, I would be like, oh, okay, I get it. They want to have the big names show up. And it's, yeah. it's, it's not Bale Grimnir's fault that like he hasn't been like front and center, right? It's, it's, it's because we're not as well read as maybe as we, we need to be. And maybe he is much more important than we're giving him credit for. Or um, we haven't looked at, Hammer Hall actually a lot since first edition, I think is also part of it. Also true. Um, all right, cool. Other Fire Slayer thoughts. Neat. Uh, Fire Slayer saved the day. Uh, Dombringers, yeah. nope, Aaron, don't make the same joke. I was going to say, they get to their destination and they found a city. That's uh, <laughs> funny, funny. Um, uh, no, no, no. So they, uh, they carry on, but they know, the Dombringers know that up ahead, dangers still lurk in because the, they have to, I guess, skirt the coastline of the Heartblood Sea. And that does not sound like a pleasant place. Um, why are they so afraid of the Heartblood Sea? What do you guys think? Well, this is Gore-Tide territory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is for sure. Um, but what are the chances they'll come across any? Yeah. They're all, they're all sacking Hammer Hall Aksha. I mean, there's probably no more <laughs> folks to be found out here anymore. There's no one left. Yeah, they all, they all went home. Uh, or the opposite of home. They went out. You know, maybe it would, uh, maybe it's going to be okay, but they get to the sea and the sea's just blood. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad sign. It's got a it's a, a name of Heartblood Sea. What did you think, payment? What do you think was going to be in there? Well, before I think it was just like a warm kind of like oh you know we're a fiery people. We got like you know a nice warm sea. We call it. it's it's probably so warm it could come from a heart. But no, it's just Simile, gross yeah. blood now. <laughs> gross. Um, yeah, so the the Dawnbringers march on. They've got their uh, Fire Slayer escort, which is nice that they stuck around for a little bit. That's cool. Um, yeah, I think they, even, they tried to pay them, right? Or didn't like Zanestra like throw some money at them? Yeah, she did. Okay. Yeah, neat, smart, good call. If you don't want them to stab you in the back, a point for the Pontifex. Uh, you know, things weren't looking good, and then the fire shares show up, and she was like, ah, just as Sigmar wills. <laughs> my yeah. my favorite part of that is the the people who aren't cultists are like do you think she only likes them because they don't use wheels and then they get told to shut up? <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is I'm like, I appreciate the forethought of like, we're going to go on crusade in the middle of nowhere to find a new city. Oh, we better bring a whole chest of money just in case. <laughs> right. Like, Oh, Hey, weird. We brought a whole chest of money and it's going to figure in prominently into what's going on. Don't put wheels on that chest. You carry that nonsense. <laughs> I don't care how heavy it is. Um, all right, so they head to the coast of the Heartblood Sea, and they're they're moving through the 
arid, uh, rocky landscape and without fail. I mean, to stop me if I'm going too quick, but they stumble across some uh, Bloodbound. I think some of their scouts like uh, are, are found out and Bloodbound, they, you know, jump out of hiding from these these high canyon walls or something and they start wailing on them. Um, oh no, they've stumbled right into a Bloodbound trap. Who could have seen this coming? All right, you ready for my dollar? Yes. It's a cool, cool, cool summer. <laughs> Because Korg is cool, leads the Gortide. Yeah, and he going Taylor the Gortide. Swift. But you went, you went, you dug deeper. But he's not here. No, no, no. He doesn't lead this Gortide. He just leads them in general. Because he was literally in Gur like two seconds ago, and yes, I understand yeah. he disappeared, but like he was just there. Um, but as we've proven, people can be wherever the story needs them to be. Um, oh no, things look dire as they always do. Bloodbound, jumping all over the place. Uh, the Donners are trying to hold them back as best they can, but even with the, the support of the Fire Slayers, things are not looking good. Truly, they cannot be saved uh, by help coming out of nowhere twice in a row. That would be insane. Who is that lucky? It would take a miracle. <laughs> a big miracle. Um, and is this where Zenestra, like starts to pray? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Right, yeah. Sometimes when you worship Sigmar, praying to him... He'll give you some aid. It's the power of prayer. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah okay, um, there you go. It's the positive thinking, if nothing else. Um, lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolts, right? Yeah. Boom. <laughs> I, just wanted to be, I just wanted to be Paul to the lightning bolts. Um, uh, who, who, should, who should appear? Honestly, I never expected this in a million years, despite the fact that they gave me the models. Um, yes. who, uh, who, who shows up? We get Sigmar's assassin herself, Knave Black Talon, and the rest of the Black Talons coming in and cutting things, and you go, oh, that's awesome. Neve is the hero that's going to save us. Boom. Vandis Hammerhand shows up. <laughs> just ki- yeah, just kidding. <laughs> Second building, billing. What are you guys even doing here? Yeah. You're like, I heard Hammer. Cool was here. I heard there's Cool. I heard Corgus something, something, something. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, somebody made a pun. Somebody made yeah. a pun. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, would you say that it's Cool and his gang? Uh, oh, um, that's for Paul. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's one hundred percent. I approve one hundred percent. If Davey were here, he, I think he would refer to it as uh, this is a hat on a hat situation, yeah. um, which is the the duo of. If Davey were here, Black you would hear his groan for like over the din of battle and be like, "Ugh." Uh, be right, but you know, it's okay. Like, I think he'd like my cool in the gang. Uh, <laughs> I think he'd, I think he'd appreciate it. Anyways, yes. Who who should show up? But maybe Black Talon. Uh, her her Black Talons who. Uh, we'll talk about and Vanda's hammer hand with a bunch of hammer hands as well. I, I love this moment because like last book we were joking like, well, this is a named character with a model. So they're going to win the fight here. We have a moment where like a brand new box, a brand new unit like shows up, but they get second billing to literally the first model in age of Sigmar. <laughs> literally oldest model in age of Sigmar. Yeah. Which still, despite Thunderstrike armor, I think Vanda still holds up like that. Oh yeah. Uh, uh Dracoff pose. I'm a, I mean, even with it's kind of got a derpy leg, but still, it's I really, really dig it. Um, I had very mixed feelings about original Age of Sigmar lore, uh, but I'm like, um, it's been long enough. I'm like nostalgic for Vandis. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah let's get, let's just scrap it up uh, in the middle of nowhere, uh, sure. fighting for nothing. Uh, once again, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Thanks for mocking it for sure. Um, but so between uh, the Black Talons, Vandis, and his hammer hands, they uh, make quick work. Of wait, so they, they defeat a, an initial bloodbound yeah. group, right? Okay, so it's kind of like they're scouts and, and like yeah, they defeat guard. the first wave yeah. of the Gore Tide. 
Sure, sure, sure. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it grants. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I didn't even get it, but I get it now. Uh, it grants the Dawnbringers a little bit of a reprieve so that we can have a little bit of a scene uh, in, in a moment. Um, did anything much else happen in the fight? Or this, you know, this quick, this little skirmish in the beginning before we carry on? I'm trying to think if we missed anything. It was really just the, the reveal that they just showed up was kind of the biggest thing, yeah. if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's kind of it because they kind of shift the camera away from the crusade for a bit. Um, Cause you think these stormcast show up, they're going to escort the crusade, but Vandis is like, no, I'm not here for that. I didn't hear I didn't come here to save you. I came here to kill corn. Neve will save you. She'll guard you. She'll protect the crusade. You'll see more of her later. I'm going to go fight more corn guys. I'll catch y'all later. I like to pretend like he didn't even know they were there. Like it didn't yeah. even occur to him that like there was Dawnbringers to be saved. Um, I don't, it, I don't think that's explicitly said in the text, but that's my own head cannon a little bit. He probably didn't even know that they changed colors to red. So he probably saw that first soldier and like raised his hammer up like, Ooh, so, yeah. He's like, do the sign of the comment. Okay. You're cool. Um, nice. Uh, yeah. And so the, reprieve granted, um, Vandis, as we said, she's like, I'm not going to escort you guys. I got, I got Bloodbound to kill. And he sort of wanders off. Um, but it, in wandering off, he just sort of stumbled. Like, I don't know, does he stumble across his old friend? Like, where? where? I am very specifically reminded of a an event that happened in a previous Age of Sigmar lore book, which is where there's a bunch of Stormcasts who are fighting. And they're like at a realm gate. And they're like, dude. Like, this is, like, way too much. We're totally going to die. And, like, this is terrible. And then a bunch of Seraphons show up. And they're like, dude, the Seraphon are here. We're totally going to win now. And then they just run right past them and go through the realm gate and disappear. (laughs) And it's like, all right, so Vandis pulled a Seraphon and was like, hey, I'm totally, oh, look at those guys. I'm uh, Bye. Okay, we're done now. Yeah, and then to answer your question, Aaron, we get, like, a little, like, actual, like, story snippet. Um, like in the narrative and it's Vandis is there just fighting even more Gortide. And then he sees shadows coming in over the sky and he recognizes, Oh, isn't that my good friend, uh, Ionis <laughs> riding a here, big drake, Draconith. And he looks down at Kalinax and he's like, uh, like, oof. I mean, <laughs> I was aged a little bit, uh, uh grow some wings or something, buddy. Or what's yeah. like, I mean, you were cool. In first edition, we're in third edition now. Like, yeah. you got to be cooler now. Like, you you don't you need to add a couple more syllables. Like, Dracoff is not a thing anymore. Like, we really need some Draconith or something, right? Like, come on, mm-hmm. it's dragon inflation, is what it is. Um, no, we're not. We're not about uh, fake horses. We're back to real horses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was the biggest scoop in uh, um, uh, sh- uh, story phase history. I yeah, say. yeah, uh, yeah. I that was big know. one. I didn't yeah. know you listened. I'm glad that you did. Yeah. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. That was fun. There's a scale creep joke in there, but. <laughs> We're on fire tonight. Um, oh, yeah. I was just going to I was just going to uh, wrap wrap up this part. Um, so, yeah, I also Ionis Cripborn shows up, although like kind of towards the end of the battle, he's looking for Vandis. Um, they just chat a little bit. Um, uh I- Ionis is concerned about his friend because he's been reforged a bunch of times. Yeah. He was killed by Archon once. Archon, yeah. Yeah. Archon. and yep. he lightninged up yeah. his claws. Yeah, and, uh, that was a rough one. Um, and um, in the Ionis is asking if he still sees the Lightning Man, which yeah. is creepy for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, and Vanus is like, "Who told you about that?" And he's like, "You did." <laughs> <laughs> and like, oh. <laughs> Yikes! 
Um, and uh, Ionis also mentions that he's on a new quest from Sigmar. We don't know what that quest is. That's a new kind of yep. other hook that we can pull at later. Um, he used to be searching for a um, a cure for the flaw in the reforging, uh, but that hasn't panned out. Just one more kind of cutaway point is that um, there's a rumor going around about Vandis is that he, when he's in between battles, they have to jail him uh, beneath the Perspicarium, which mm-hmm. is the, um, which is the storm keep in Hammerhall. Actually, it's I think it's the main storm keep for the uh, Hammers of Sigmar. And yep. they just kind of and he just kind of ra- like rants and raves under the storm keep. Um, uh, you know, chanting prophecies. Yeah. Uh, so he's. So it it seems like all is not well with old Vandis. He's not doing no. great. No. Yeah, I, I appreciated this specifically because they they tend they incorporated some of like I feel like some Black Library lore and some Battle Tome lore together mm-hmm. to make like a super fun like. No, no, you told me this is what's going on. The Lightning Man, like everything, all of a sudden is out in the open. And I thought that was super well done. So, yeah. well, and then the conversation doesn't end well, right? Like it, they they don't end on great terms. Like Ionis is like, "Hey, man, you're you're not all there." Like, and, and he's like, "You got to come back to us." And Vandis is like, "No, nah, I got one job, and it's to kill Cool." And like, Cool in here. So, I'm, any other things about this conversation? I think this is a really important conversation. I you don't, it's I surprisingly dig like interpersonal connections between Stormcast. These like very stoic, sometimes uh, impenetrable. Um, characters to see sort of like real you know brotherhood camaraderie and then like see the like the the button heads a little bit um and furthermore i think maybe my opinion of this little cutout was informed by the warcom story that came just a few days ago where it talks about it's ionis with his new dragon friend and we'll talk about sort of that relationship at one point um but how ionis is uh I mean, they're, they're sitting by a campfire. They're, he and his mount are not mounting, I guess partner probably are, are bonding, talking about, you know, sort of ruminating on Vandis's plight and how important he is to Iona Scriptborn. And so, like, I really like seeing that bond. And I think this is a great direction that they're taking. I agree. Well, because there's a line in that story that's like the uh, Cathorak, um It's like, you, you know what? No, going and taking, like, putting a quest on hold to look after someone you love that's what makes you stormcast. And I thought reading that, like, wow, that's beautiful. Also, literally the first time this has ever come up. And this book is the second time. Like, so we're starting to see that happen more, which I'm like, good. <laughs> like, I want to see more of this. This is fantastic. I mean, I remember reading that line, and although it's very sentiment and heartfelt, I, yeah. I, I probably said out loud, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought it was stormcast about lightning, lightning fights. I mean, you know. I'm sorry, man, but you're wrong. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, I love, I love that. I love where it's coming from. Again, it's it, yeah. it's heartwarming, but also utterly untrue. Um, and also, I thought it was funny coming from what one of these dra- uh, draconists that also yeah. thus far have seemed fairly aloof and like cold. But I guess that maybe isn't universally true. So, um, I to see even multiple characters and even the dragons, I think is it. The other thing I love is that we have Neve is here, but like everybody's like, oh, whatever. It's her. No, no. It's Ionis and Gardas. Like they're just completely ignoring Eve, and they're like, "We're we're having a moment." I don't know if you know this, but we're having a moment, so we're gonna have this moment. And they're like, "Oh right, Neve is here. Um, let's talk about Neve now and what's going on with her." Because uh, she actually stayed at the column while these guys had this moment and moved on and moved forward. Mm-hmm. 
it is kind of a clunky, clunky setup. I mean, I like when a bunch of named characters show up in one place. So I, I suppose yeah. broadly, I think it's neat. But like, I don't. It, they do seem like two parallel uh, yeah. inclusions. Um, yeah. yeah, if it isn't obvious already, like this is the named characters make a cameo book. Um, <laughs> True. So let's yeah. follow, let's follow our cameo characters, uh, Vandus and Ionis, as they go track the Gortai. I feel like you're I just throwing more that. fuel on the fire here, Haven. I mean, but also he's not entirely like this section is great. Probably a section I enjoy a lot out of this book. It's also not about the crusade that the book, the series is about. It's, I don't want to call it, man, padding has such a bad connotation. It's, it's it's a break. It's, it's important probably for larger things, right? Like, you know how sometimes in, 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 maybe this is a trope in fiction where like the mundane story serves as like your entry point. And then it like, it then, is your window into a much larger impactful thing. Um, I don't want to say that the Dumbbringers thing isn't going to be impactful, but like where Vandis goes and where presumably where cool goes, that is probably going to have some big ramifications. And so yeah. they had to kick it off somewhere. And so they're going to kick it we're, off. We're table setting in the middle of one story for a different story. That's going to happen. Oh boy. We do a lot of that. Yeah. We were talking about offline a little bit, which is that we've been waiting for the story to happen. And now all the story is happening. Right. Since the beginning of third edition, we were like, okay, Air of the Beast, it's a thing. Things are happening. And now it's like everything is happening right now. Yeah, there's I think a pacing uh critique in here somewhere. But let's let's just jump into it. Let's let's enjoy let's enjoy where we are. Yeah, so uh we basically actually before we even get to that, we have some oh, yeah, listener like a, questions. A listener questions, which which will inform what, where this goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um so first one is from patron Drake. Uh, has Vanda's Hammerhand status changed since Hammers of Sigmar first forged? For those show of you who have read the book, show of hands, who has read Hammers of Sigmar first forged? Hey, I'll Paul, take it away. Question for you. <laughs> uh, no. Simple answer is no. He's still going a little crazy. Stuff is still happening. He's still seeing the Lightning Man. Um, he is perhaps a little bit more coherent than he was presented in First Forged. He's having some like, actual good, real conversations. Um, whereas I think in First Forge, he was presented a little bit more of like this crazy guy that we unleash upon the enemy. Um, he still is very much single-minded, but I don't think that he is unintelligible or uh, obs- uh, quite as obsessive um, because he's having an actual real conversation at this point. And then uh, another question from Minervis. When did we actually last see Vandis doing anything of note? Did he do anything in that book? Yeah, I mean, there was a whole thing going on where they're celebrating the anniversary. And I mean, like, yes. The short answer is yes. Where all this ties in and it is cool because they're like, they're talking about the lightning man. They're talking about, yeah, that's where it all comes from. Okay. So, yes, super cool. Um, I, I really like First Forged. I think there's a little bit of a mixed opinion in the Discord, but there's always a mixed opinion. So yeah, um, uh, it is fun. And, and it does something else that I really like that this book does well. So I'm going to mention that here. It calls back to what happened before. And, and what I mean by that is they're going to where the first storm cast first struck down. And we're going to see a little bit of a callback to something in the Realm Gate Wars later on in this book as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the reason I ask is because other than that book, I can't think of anything much Vandis has done. It's, it's kind of been like a running gag of like, 
where's Vandis this time? Because um, he was there for the Realm Gate Wars, and then he got injured, and then we've just seen him like in the background. There's will be a sentence or two like Vandis might be going crazy, and like that's kind of it for a little while. So that's I why mean, I'm excited that he's back. It, 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 will just threw his hands up in the air. That's how there, yeah. he was. Yeah, <laughs> I went yay. In, in Vandis's defense, he was cut by one of the most powerful weapons in the mortal realms. Oh, yeah. And he is nice. dealing with the ramifications of it, which I think is actually super awesome mm-hmm. that we see a named character that everybody's going to recognize dealing with it. So, oh, he's going crazy. No, he's being slowly and insidiously infected by this weapon, this yes. demon sword, by a demigod. <laughs> like, that's what should happen. Instead of, oh, I got killed, I'm going to be reforged, right? No, actually, this is a big deal. It's the same thing that happened with Catacros, where he was like, I'm going to go fight Archaeon. All right, I fought Archaeon. Wait, I'm I'm still, like, hurting. Like, I, I'm, I have a new body. I've been repossessed. But, like, there's a consequence. Bad things are happening. I love that. Please, more of that. So, yes, awesome. Yeah, Vandis yeah, is much more interesting than he was in. Oh yeah, Sigmar. Yes. Could, could you name a character trait that he had before that? I don't think I, he was first. <laughs> uh, he had the keyword mounted. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> right. Um, um, then another question yeah. comes from our, our friend Sagemont, uh, and they they say, and then they'll ask. In Hallowed Night's Black Pyramid, it was revealed that Gardas is one of the few Stormcasts to genuinely respect Vandis in his capacity as a commander and general, uncolored by judgment from Vandis being transfigured, or Stormcast profoundly changed by reforging. Basically, Gardas is like, no, Vandis is still cool. Don't listen to what everyone tells you. He's good at his job. The question is, does this book reveal what Vandis in turn thinks of the Steel Soul? I don't think he thinks much of him at all. <laughs> I don't know. He no. remembers his name. Um, That's because Steel Soul pieced out, like literally, like went into pieces and he, he went out before mm-hmm. Vandis <laughs> showed up on the scene. I, I tried not to include too many questions, listener questions that they, hey, does this book talk about X, Y, or Z? And the answer just flat out no. Like I tried not to add too many of those questions. So sorry, listener, if one of your questions was, does this book talk about X, Y, or Z? If, if we don't bring it up here, then the answer is no to your question. However, I included this one, despite the fact it's just an answer is no, because I'd be curious to think or to talk about, and I guess we addressed it a little bit. Do we get any sense of Vandis's opinion of Ionis Cripborn at all? So Gardas is one thing, but Cripborn, I think, is maybe a little bit more interesting. He cl- He's closer to having an opinion about Cripborn, though I don't know that he has an opinion on him. His opinion, I don't want to get too much into the... Um psychoanalysis of Vandis Hammerhand. But like at first he's like, oh, that's my friend Ionis Cripborn. And then Ionis is like, hey man, are you okay? Like for real? And Vandis just gets super defensive. Um, and I feel like there's a little bit of like maybe some self-doubt in there, which makes Vandis a cooler character. So I think there's like this weird strained friendship respect that Vandis has for Ionis, but he doesn't want his problems to be the forefront of it. Exactly right. I'd agree with that. Any other thoughts? Um, I would say that he's probably one of the realest characters that we've ever had. Because to me, this really reads of, you've got a friend. He's dealing with some problems. And you're like, hey, man, you've got some problems. The friend's like, no, I don't. And you're like, okay, great. But I'm still your friend. And I'm still here. And like, I'm here if you want to have a conversation. And he's like, I don't want to have a conversation. Like, great. Still your friend. I'm going to go do what I need to do. If you ever feel like having a talk, you know where I am. Right. Like that's legitimately the feeling I got about this conversation, which I thought was super cool. 
And it's wild to think that like, how do I put this? Um, this is such an interesting development. It's an incredibly interesting development. And to think that a month ago, I had no idea that this was coming. Like, it, the thing, I, I never thought I was going to see Cripborn, I own Cripborn again. And I just thought, man, right. it would be crazy in perpetuity. But like, mm-hmm. just on a, on a dime or like just instantly, they're like, here's this very compelling uh, interpersonal connection. And I'll, I am hooked and I want, I want to see it come to its fruition. This is a great um, development. I, well, and I hadn't said it before. And the, and the thing that I really liked about it is I felt like, it was very clearly communicated that Ionis knew that this conversation was going to happen in exactly this specific way of things and was just like, yeah, but I still need to have this conversation. Right. And, yeah. and also that Ionis is really dealing with his own crap right now. Like yeah. there is like, Hey, uh, I've got, I've got a mission from Sigmar, but like, you're my friend and I'm going to go find you because you're my friend. And I have this conversation that I know exactly how it's going to go. To remind you that, hey, I'm still your friend and I'm still here. So it, it was immensely well written and super cool. Sure. And then in the background, the fray, How to Save a Life, was playing. Uh, <laughs> also asked, is Van just still imprisoned on his time, on his off time by his evil chamber? And I think the answer is yes, right? Like he, yeah. he's often yep. stored under the perspicarium. It just happens yeah. that they let him out right now. Um, just real quick as a blur, because in case the listeners have forgotten since last episode, yes, we do ask listener questions on the show. Yes, you can get your question on the show too. Let me tell you a secret. I don't tell this to anybody, but it's because I like you. Uh, hang out in the Discord all the time. In the stories and lore <laughs> channel, in fact. And one day, uh, unannounced, I'll say, hey, do you got any questions for this episode? You're going to be like, heck yeah, I do, Aaron. I'm going to send it to you. Type it all up. I copy and paste it into a Word document. And then I copy and paste it into the show notes. Yes, that's two steps. That's way too many steps for what I'm doing. And then we'll ask your question uh, on the show like we've done with Drake, Minervous, and Sage Mud. Um, carrying on. I know Paven's really excited to keep moving on. Hey, uh, I think we asked Will to uh, take us to the next step um yeah the next step is the Gortide breaks which is basically a sort of a reenactment of the first battles of the realm gate wars um we actually get to learn <laughs> or remember some of the names of <laughs> the corn heroes in that box i think I they were listed before them. i'm pretty sure they were named previously. i think they were named but it's been seven eight years since then so <laughs> That's true. It's been so long. It's been a while, so I completely yeah. forgot them. But Vandus and Ionis are going up against all of Cool's lieutenants, hoping to draw out Corgus himself. Um, and Shouldn't all, he be here? He was in Gur two seconds ago. Yeah. But okay. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Does, does Corgus Cool show up? No. He doesn't show up in this fight. He shows up later, okay? He doesn't show up in this fight. Vandis' plan to lure him out by killing these people didn't happen. He just killed these, kills these people. They die. What a waste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you just see Ionis and uh, Catharac just like let loose their new war scroll and kill a bunch of things. And then they kind of split the, and go their separate ways. Ionis is like, hey, Remember, I'm on this quest from Sigmar. I am actually going to take some of your troops. You no longer outrank me, so they're mine. Sign of the comet, and he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about like who, like I like the way this was structured a little bit. Maybe, I, maybe my brain is a little too organized, and this isn't how battles ought to go. But I love when people pair off or like like yeah. uh, line up against each other. And so like Vandis kills Vec the Flare, who is the Blood Stoker, um, who I. Uh, 
I have in my corn army. Um, it's funny because I, I just recently pulled all my corn dudes out. And so like, these are the guys that they're talking about. Um, Ionis kills Threx Skullbrand, who's a blood secretor. And he, the blood secretor is the one who then summoned a bloodthirster, which Sathorak, Kathorak, however he said, um, had to like mano a mano or drago. Uh, a demo. Drago a mano. Yeah. A demo, yeah. Uh, had to take him out. I think he like breathes on him and he like turns him to ash, which presumably is fire, I guess. Um, and then Kalinax, not to be left out, uh, I think they don't explicitly say defeats a Korgrath, but presumably he, he chomps on a Korgrath and, and beats him. So like those four corn things are like where the big, besides uh, Korg's Cole himself, were like some of the big things in the starter set, which uh, I still have all of. I don't know. You could, I don't think you can get those anymore, right? You got to go dig in. They are. I, I don't know that you can get them anymore, but they were being sold as like the start collecting oh, box for yeah, corn. For a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah. like Korgraths are in the army like if for someone who wanted a cord i don't know how you'd get that um, they're only in the circle i think that's why they keep the that box oh, around still oh, is because okay. it's the only way to get that model because it's stuck on that sprue yeah it was like it, it was kind of a silly battle because it was like a bunch of utility buff pieces versus like tier one special characters and yeah like, oh, all right let's see <laughs> let's see how this goes i'm like oh they get wrecked they wreck them Oh. Like, even the bloodthirster like does not put up a fight. Like he just he just breathes fire on him. Aren't bloodthirsters from hell? Like yeah. you know, you expect the fire not to, but just like one shots them. Yeah, um, like shyish soul fire. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, uh, so it's still still fun little thing. I can picture the yeah, there, the, the movie of that fight. Yeah, I don't know how you guys felt, but they didn't feel like there was a lot of dramatic tension in this one. No, I think the tension was in whether or not it was going to work and it, if it was going to lure out Corgus Cole. You knew who was going to win, but you didn't know how it was going to like play out. Well, and I also think it was going to serve, what, I mean, very abbreviatedly, that's not a word, um, but it was. I think this is a larger conversation later, but I think this is maybe a turning of a page or like a, a threshold from like the old to the new. And like this was a way for them to show like uh, – we're not done with cool. Cool's going to come back. Right. And so like, he's going to shed his old stuff and like be whatever, presumably this new thing. Right. I, I think he's probably going to be powered up quite a bit. Um, and so like, it's showing off, like we're going to clear out the chaff to get like to, to get to like the new Corgis coal. Um, and so, yes, they did it very easily, but they needed to do it in a page. And so they did. Yeah, I, I don't know. I like, I didn't remember who these people were. And then like, they gave them names just to like, get, like, remember these guys, they're still around. They've been around for a hundred years. Somehow they were right. killed. These two, <laughs> these two jabronis. Um, and Aqua Garanis. And then we're like, okay, like, oh, they, they're going to try to beat Vandas. So like, and this other dude on a dragon. I'm like, okay. All right, well. This is very much f- fan service for a very specific sub- <laughs> subset of fan, and I fall into that group. So yeah, like I'm down <laughs> here. Like, it's for me. I was like, okay, great, great. Like we finally killed these characters. Like I've been waiting six years for some forward progress, and we're down from eight to six. This is forward progress. Yeah, Thrax. He's been he's been asking for it for a long time. <laughs> Thrax <laughs> on my side. Um, so uh, Minerva's asked a question, and Paul, you were alluding to this previously, but um, what are the parallels and themes reflected between the initial Vandis versus Cool battle uh, and now? I am going to say it is a flip the script because in the original battle, Cool was super obsessed about like I'm going to become a demon prince. And I need Vandis's head because he's the one that's going to sit at the top of my pyramid and then I'm going to become a demon prince and everything will be great. And Vandis was just like, who's this crazy guy 
who's like trying to take over all these things. I'm like, I just got an axe and I'm, I want to kill him. And like, uh, that's all we're mm-hmm. going to do. And in this book, it's the opposite. Cause like Vandis is like, I just need to kill cool. Like everything doesn't matter besides cool might be here. I heard that he might be here and I have an ax and it's got his name on it. So I'm going to go after it. And then there's a little bit of a spoiler, but we get a postscript where cool is like looking at what happened and was like, yeah, those stupid underlings of mine who went out to go confront him. Cause they're like, Oh, look, it's Vandis. We're going to, we're going to kill Vandis because that's a cool thing. No, no, that's not what I'm doing. I am going to become a demon prince and I'm going to plan it out. And I'm not going to be lured out by this stupid Vandis showing up because I did that last time and that was wrong. So now I'm going to like actually plan what's going on. So they really did completely do the opposite motivations. I hadn't put two and two together, but that's a good good observation. Yeah. One was obsessed before. And now the other one is. That's cool. Yep. Yeah, and I think like yeah, one's become the tactician, and one's become the kind of uh, the 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 murder barbarian. Um, yeah, because I think Vandis beats Cool in the first book, the first Realmgate Wars book, by like destroying his pyramid. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't actually defeat him in combat. He knows like oh, I have to stop the ritual yeah. in order to defeat this guy. And he destroys his pyramid. Like, oh, he hits him with lightning or something. Um, Guys, he dies. R.I.P. Yakdos Golden Mane. Oh, Yakdos. Oh, man. I still yeah. missed it. We actually took. Like, um, God, think of like all the important information I don't have in my brain because I remember Yakdos. Yeah. But um, he was awesome. Like, he, he was like singing cool stuff. Like, he was, he was, yeah, no, he was great. If he was awesome, he would have kept his head. Um, but, anyways, <laughs> how did he keep his head? I thought they shot in the lightning. Anyways, this is an old. I think the axe, the, the corn oh, axe. Yeah. Yep. The reality. Yeah. The reality. Um, he's, he's for good. Yeah, also, just as an aside, do you think uh, Vandis would be after Archeon? No, I mean, admittedly, he probably knows he can't take Archeon, but like, mm-hmm. he's the one who effed you up, man. Like, you would think. Oh, well, yeah. Um, still. But uh, he doesn't remember that, which I thought was a cool moment that. And and this is something that Vandis is now that is super cool to me, is that he forgets the important things but remembers the unimportant. And that was something that was communicated really well in this passage, is that kept talking about how he remembered the people from his village that were killed. He still has that initial like memory from the first life that all those Stormcast had from the first realm gate wars from the first books of like sigmar is going to go send me to the place where i'm from because turns out i had this really weird connection with the bad guy from the book that i'm going to realize 175 pages in and then i'm going to kill him at page 197 and then the book is going to end and vandis is still stuck in that because he remembers every life that was lost but he can't remember what happened after. So as opposed to everything else that we get, which is where Ionis is coming in, where Ionis is like, you don't even remember who you are. Like, you don't remember being human. I'm going to take you because you need to remember what it's like to be a Stormcast. I assume, I don't know, that hasn't been filled out. And so we've literally got this flip the script of, this is what a Stormcast is. Oh, not here. Not now. Oh, this is, you know, the Stormcasts are following Sigmar. Well, yes, but also Ionis is like doing his own thing because Sigmar's like, no, I trust you now. You're doing your own thing. And the same thing with Neve. And Vandis is the one who's theoretically disobeying Sigmar because Ionis is like, hey, 
BT dubs, this is not what I want you to do. But he's also living his best life, as in he is living the life that he lived in order to become a Stormcast over and over and over again. Very cool. Um, I think, Will, you'd mentioned uh, Ionis then leaves with some stor- some of Vandis' Stormcasts. Mm-hmm. These are mine now. These are my toys. See ya. Gimme, gimme. Yeah. And so he vamooses. Um, so, um, yeah, and he does, where was it? Maybe it's the next page. But he does say, like, you know, and maybe I'm going to come back for you eventually. And they just kind of put a pin in that. And I guess we'll need to figure out what that means later. And I think that last line is a bit more foreboding because what they mention, I don't think here, but they definitely mention later, is who Ionis takes is the Stormcast who've been reforged too many times. Like yeah. Ionis, when it mentions more than once, when he shows up to a battle, he'll show up to a battle randomly, help win. And he'll leave with some Stormcast, and it'll be the Stormcast that have been reforged to him. Mm-hmm. So when he returns for Vandus, it's going to be like Vandus is done. Yeah, and we don't know what Iona's going to do with all the Stormcasts. Like a new special kind of chamber of two two reforged lightning I'm guys. I'm thinking Spa Day. I'm thinking he's taking him to a spa. There's a big farm he has upstate. There's a lot of room for them to run around in. (laughs) The rainbow bridge. (laughs) Oh, way better. Um, All right. I think that wraps up our Stormcast scene. You guys got any more Stormcast thoughts? Um, All right. Cool. Right on. So, uh, Bloodbound driven off, I guess, being handled by the Hammers of Sigmar, um, which leaves uh, the Dawnbringer Crusade kind of to their own devices a little bit as they proceed to continue past the Heartblood Sea. Um, mm-hmm. But their troubles are not over because they're never over. This is a dream world of magic. Um, 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 what is it, a mist? Is it like a blood mist or some sort of mist? comes? A regular over. mist. I imagine it's a kind of a hot mist given where we are. Uh, <laughs> My favorite type of mist. Like a sauna. <laughs> so gross. Uh, their wilder core is like out, like they're losing their scouts or the scouts come back like, uh, uh, what's the word? Confu- I guess confused maybe just um, they're lost in this mist. Oh no, what is this? Where's this mist coming from? What is this? Um, and it's around then that all, oh no, cries go out. Uh, they're under attack from unseen assailants from the mist. Who could it possibly be? Uh, another group that I did not predict, however, I guess in these campaign books, you should always just be ready for the unexpected because um, they got to get as many armies in as they can. Oh no, it's the Ideneth, the Deacon, the Fua, Fua, how do you say it? Fuethan. Fuethan. I'm just, you. I'm going to have you all That'll be you got well, you all your guys' pronunciations. I, yeah. When we yelled it out, I think we all yelled out something a little differently. Yeah, I know. Just slightly different. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the mess with Aaron. It was like a harmony, but in pronunciation of words. Um, and so it's the it's the Ashian ones, the hot blooded ones, the ones who are particularly angry and aggressive, and they're dicing up fools uh, left and right. Um, oh no, whatever shall we do? Um, not to jump too far ahead, but like. Spoiler, for the first time, like, this group is not saved by, like, surprise help. Like, they, they do it themselves. Now, admittedly, they're, they're pretty, their forces have been bolstered. They've got fire slayers. They've got the black talons. Like, they've already got help. But for the first time, they don't need, like, a, another party to come in and, and like, yeah. say that I was waiting for whoever was going to drop in. And no one does. They just, they just kind of handle it themselves. Well, yeah. And what's great is they use a trick because this is just a rematch of the Fury of the Deep battle box explain where so yeah because the Fuethen 
attacked the Fire Slayer hold of Riftmar as part of that box story, and they killed all the Fire Slayers and took their souls. But Bale Grimnir heard this cool trick they used where they just burned the mist away. So, like, the item of ambush, and they didn't even, like, hesitate. They just started throwing fire into the mist and just started killing the Adonith back, like, almost instantly. It's the first time where, like, like, not only that they weren't saved by, like, a random person coming over the hill, but they knew what they were dealing with and just dealt with it. Uh, does, does the Bale Grimnir knowing what to do, was that in the text or are we just assuming? It says, deploying the tactics of the ill-fated hold, Bale Grimnir. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yep. Didn't even occur to me. Well, and, and the second thing that I loved about this moment is that there were Stormcasts here and they didn't yeah. help, right? Wow. They, like they were trying to help, <laughs> right? But they were like, oh, uh, red Stormcast button, Stormcast will save us. Nope. They're like, oh, actually, the Stormcast are kind of like trying to figure out what's going on, too, because they're trying to rescue all these people. So I guess we have to do it ourselves. Um, Didn't they take down one of the turtles? Yeah, they did. They did once battle started. Yeah. Yeah. Once they destroyed part of the mist, then they could counterattack. And me was part of that counterattack where she kills. uh, Um, Which was I forgot the, the funniest part, which is they see the mist coming in. They're like, we don't know what's going on. A member of the Black Talons is Lorai, who is an mm-hmm. Ideneth, and she goes, oh, I know what this is. I know it's yeah. not good. It's not <laughs> what to do with your friends. <laughs> These dudes suck. Yeah. It's funny. They really picked the wrong party to mess with, right? Like, they're already, yeah. like, someone who knows their, like, deal, and then, like, the Fire Slayers know how to counter it. Um, this, was, this was ill-fated. Uh, another example of, like, so they are led by the uh, Akelian king, like, the leader of the and um group uh <laughs> un, like unnamed. i feel like you need to record that and just play that every time we need to wait, use wait, this wait, name wait. <laughs> uh, yeah um so like kind of like bale grimnir to, in some ways i mean this is now a a secondary or tertiary uh conclave of deepkin but still like this is a person who's existed and, and been in previous stories before uh, but yeah, another example of bringing in some named characters to hey uh here's someone else that you should know um and uh, they defeat the Deepkin. The uh, the king says, all right, you know, we're going to have to duel to the death. Or maybe Neve offers it. I forget who suggests it in the first place. But, like, to settle this, there's going to be a, a duel um, to determine who, you know, I guess wins. I think if the uh, Dawnbringers lose or if whoever the, the Dawnbringer champion loses, then they'll have to, I guess, give up to the, the Deepkin. Presumably offer up some souls. One thing they mentioned is, like, this is weird that the Deepkin would do this. This is kind of like an act of war between allies. Um, and they talk to King Mulfir, and he's he is convinced that this is, like, the end of the world. Um, and that he, I imagine, they are just raiding to protect themselves and get as many souls as possible to protect themselves because they're reading the signs, and the signs aren't good. In particular... Um, the seas are turning foul where they touch land. Uh, so that is foreshadowing. Um, but yeah, they try to make peace. They can't make peace. So they settle on a duel between King Mulfir and Neve. Well, and I think cause they, they turn to Lorai again, like, Hey, is this, is what he's saying true? And her response is like, I mean, things are weird. I don't know if, necessarily if he's right but he's not entirely wrong Mm. um and she couldn't like she wouldn't defend him 
but she wasn't ruling out what he was saying necessarily. Um, I thought it was odd that like when he thought it was the end of the world, his his reaction is that all right, I'm just going to start killing like ostensible allies. Now, admittedly, like he doesn't probably have a lot of impulse control, but uh, being where he lives and what he does, but like I'm like, oh, you, that's kind of a jump from oh no, the world is ending. I know I'm going to kill my allies. That's how I'm going to survive this. Um, but hey, I'm not a underwater king living in the realm of fire. Um, though I wish I, I will say I appreciated that there was a doomsday cult that wasn't human. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very much doomsday culty. Because yeah. 99% of the doomsday cults are all human. And I'm like, okay, it's fine. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a trope. And this is turning it on its edge because elves live forever. But it's like, no, 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 but the world is ending. I, I, I thought that was cool. A cool little twist. It is neat. Um, so they do duel. Do, do duel. <laughs> uh, the king and Nave. Um, the fight, at one point someone's winning and the other point another person's winning. Um, but... Yeah, we're gonna yada 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 the duel, and uh, Black Talon comes out on top and kills that dude. Um, thank goodness, because that would be a quick end to the Dawnbringer Crusade. Um, yeah. So there goes there goes that king, a named character, has has now fallen. Um, a little bit of impact here in my uh, in my campaign books. I like to see it. Yeah. Um, Feel like we need to go with the. Do they have a model that we did in the last episode? Though mm-hmm. no, no model. Right. No it. model. I mean, yeah. it's, it's going to yeah, happen. There is, a, there is a hierarchy. Sure. Yeah. Um. Sure. Um, so in doing so, defeating the king, uh, they kind of, I guess, they don't win over the rest of the Deepkin, but the Deepkin then, um, in penance, like they're like, fine, you got to go do our dirty work. You got to go back and clean up um, behind us. Uh, those, those you know, horrors or terrors that are still in pursuit of this crusade, yeah. because apparently they can't shake anybody. Um, and the Deepkin agree to do so alongside our Fire Slayer buddies. Um, so... That's a fun. Why do the fire slayers leave? Because the story needs them to leave. Uh, Payment. Yeah, I just, like why so, now? I, like, I know. So they actually did explain it specifically, which is that they wanted to go kill the Trogoths because they killed their vassal lodges. Yeah, but they could so have like, done that at any point. They could have, but they were paid. And I also think oh, so the money ran out. I, I'm going to go with the money ran out. Uh, I think the fire slayers did the numbers and they went, we can't actually beat these Trogoths. Oh, elves can die too? Now we're good. Yeah. I, <laughs> I feel like it was a numbers game. It seems game. like they would both not want to fight, fight alongside the elves and yeah. stick with the Dogbringers because that's what they've been doing and being paid to do. Um, did you I, see how I, easily they beat the Deepkin because they had all these people like <laughs> in their crusade? That doesn't make for a very good story. Yeah. They got to slim yeah. some of these numbers, man. Um, all right. Uh, all right. These have to be um, scary. Uh, I think they had that scene in Return of the King with the Dwarden and the elf standing next to each other and like, oh, I never thought I'd die side by side with an elf. And the elf just looked at him and goes, I'm going to kill you after this. <laughs> and then they just <laughs> charge. I, I still want your soul. Like, you still have a soul that I can use. So, yeah, whatever. Yeah. We're not friends. <laughs> Toss me. Um, all right. Uh, so... That is that, and I think that essentially kind of brings the end of the, to the end of like the plot of the Action Crusade. Um, are we missing anything? Any, anything that we got to tack on? No, it just says for the first time in weeks they marched on in the promise of peace. I love it. So that's nice. They finally get like a break after weeks. Sure. I sure. I appreciated that there was a couple little things. Zanestra did some some magicy stuff still, um, so she's kind of continuing with her character. And then we had one of the named characters from the Black Talons, uh, Shakana, uh, did something cool too. So I, I, 
I thought it was cool to point out, um, we didn't hear anything about, I think his name is Roxas. So uh, poor Roxas. He didn't get anything cool, but Shikana like took down a freaking turtle. So that was super mm-hmm. cool. Still only counts as one. It still only counts as one to continue with the Lord of the Rings references. Nerds of a certain generation. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that is the end of the action, action crusade. There is a little blurb at the end, just sort of like wrapping up, like tying a bow on some things. I wonder why they did this in this book. I'd be curious to know like what the, the decision was behind why they needed to wrap this up like this. Um, they did it in the other books to yeah. just like a one page wrap up. It's just more things. There has been different branching stories since then. So it just seems more important. Gotcha. Gotcha. So they talk about, all right, so truce break is fallen. Yes, we know. We talked about the bloodbound of the heart blood sea. These are, these are, uh, uh, hurdles, I guess you could call them that the action crusade have had to, uh, overcome. However, then they talk about things that are still like ahead of them, right? Uh, some things that we know, but some things we don't know. Um, and that they talk about the gates below, Leaking dead mm-hmm. death magic. I don't know what that is. Um, so it's actually in the core rule book. It's just a realm gate to Shaiish. Well, that, that There's nothing. Works. Yeah, it's not anything crazy, but it's like they're telling us it's there. So I wonder if that plays into the story is later. And not crazy enough for you, Will? I bet it is. Right. Um, well, so, it's just a portal to the underworld. Just sure. don't worry about it. BD. Ho hum. Then they talk about there's the reports of uh, cannibalism and Hammerhall. I wonder what that's all about. Well, um, actually. That specifically is about, there was an entry in the last book. If you look at page 43 at the bottom, it talks about the case of Olmond Merrillist. Then, if you read White Dwarf 493, you get a three-page story about the case of Olmond Merrillist. So that's specifically what that is about. Is he in Hammerhall Akshi or Hammerhall Kyra? He is in Hammerhall Akshi, and it is a Hanover and uh, uh, Callus and Toll story. Mm-hmm. Um which I thought, again, I love when they tie in all the different pieces of media and all the different publications together. So I thought that was super awesome and super amazing. Um, Multi, medium, media. But also, let's, I'm going to, it's going forward in the book, but tying in this moment here. So the gates below leaking death magic, we actually have a like half page thing at the very end of the book. And it talks about how we have cool standing and watching what happened with Vandis, and then we have a bunch of bats flying across the moon so we've gotten two references to deaths and specifically vampires so i'm wondering perhaps that might be something we see going forward in the action crusade we have a question about this later i know we have Um, a question about this but we're moving right along and then uh another moving on yeah another question from a listener of the show patron of the show meal who goes to bat with us or for us on um reddit all the time and i appreciate that meal and i appreciate your patronage you're a cool person um will we hear from corgus cool and silla angrafim um Yes, as Paul just mentioned, that Cole was sighted in the adamantine chain. So, yes, Vandis has not found him, but we, the readers, found him because we're, mm-hmm. I think we can only assume better than Vandis Hammerhand is what they're trying to tell us. That's what I heard. Yeah, right on. All right. That should wrap up the Action Crusade. Any final thoughts before we switch to the Gyran one, the green one? Um, all right, Cool Beans. Uh, here we go. We've done it. We've switched. Uh, could you guys feel it in your bones? Yes, you could. All right. Um, is there a preamble that we need to do before we get into the plot of this one, like we did with the action and crusade that I missed? Any other things that folks need to know going into this? God, I hope not. Yeah. 
Awesome. Nope. We probably covered it at the top. Um, yeah. So uh, I think the first thing we learn is that uh, although there is a contingent of the Hallowed Knights uh, left over after Gardas's defeat at Fort Gardas, um, as I had mentioned before, that means the crusade is too strong. They have to shed some of the strength. And so the Hallowed Knights agree to escort some of the refugees from these battles back to Hammerhall, Gyran, thus eliminating the Stormcast from the current uh, uh, Gyran crusade. Convenient, but also I guess that makes sense. I can't give them a hard time for that. That tracks. Um, and so they head back and the Gyran crusade heads on uh, up to and through the... Scabarus Sprawl, is that what it's called? That feels right. Yeah. Scabarus yeah. Sprawl, yep. Sure. Excellent. Um, there are some survivors who uh, weren't part of the crusade initially, but who um, through, I don't know, not, not necessarily co- coercion, but uh, loyalty and respect to the fallen decide to join this crusade, and so they take the coin malleus, uh, which is pretty neat. Kudos to them. And uh, I'll stop here. Did you guys have any other thoughts about where this crusade finds itself um, as they move onward to their goals. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that the the crusade is led by Silithorian, um, who is a free guild general, uh, a pretty cool character, seems like a level-headed lady, um, not a special character, does not have a unique model for those keeping score at home. But Target on her back. Yeah, they do mention she is both. She is, uh, like, one of her parents is from, like, is a reclaimed from Gyran, and one is Azerite. So she has, like, a strong affinity to the land and to nature. Maybe um, kind of she's more respectful than the kind of uh, the average citizen, the average citizen in Hammerhall. And so she is kind of brokering between the two, because there's the Sylvaneth and the... um, cities the dawnbringers are kind of both uh, together but there's a lot of tension between the two and she kind of brokers and uh plays a diplomatic role between the two sides no and this carries over from like what we see of her and book two because the action crusade just like ran forward and they've just been getting pummeled since but uh, Thorian has been very careful she's been utilizing her scouts she's been utilizing like the jade magic wizards she's a lot more respectful of the realm and Paven, like you were saying, like this is really helping her, especially with her relationship with the Sylvaneth. Like, hey, maybe if we don't punch everything we see, we can make friends. Mm. A lot of time is spent in this book about this like tension and then the re- resolution of the tension. I think on the Ashen Crusade, time was spent on battles and like adversaries, but like this is considered its own, in some ways, fight uh, between. Like the, the simmering tensions between the Dawnbringers and the Sylvaneth, and then the resolution through the efforts of what's her name, Thorian. So, yeah, there's a different type of quote unquote battle. Well, and as opposed to the last one where they're like, oh, we're still fighting battles and terrible things are happening, um, they're actually mourning the loss of Gardas, uh, which I thought was interesting. They talked about how they were mourning the loss of Gardas in. Um, Hammerhall, Gyron as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, it was a much more somber tone, even though they both lost cities. It was more of like, this specific person is gone and we don't know if he's coming back. And like, he was a hero. So it, it definitely is a different tone than we get, especially when we start talking about Vandis and everybody's like, Vandis is like totally leaving us alone and like, this is terrible and, and why is this happening? So It's because they knew that Gardas had a model. 
Like even, yeah. even in fiction, they knew that. <laughs> um, it's also just confirmation that the cursed guys are still around, which is nice. You don't hear about those too often in the other realms. Wonder why that would be. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, the tension is sort of resolved with the effort, like I said, um, through Thor- Thorian's uh, a foot in each side of um, her experience or heritage. Uh, I think she's able to win over the Sylvaneth, and they agreed to, you know, continue the peace or the the tenuous peace that they've had thus far. I think Drisha like leaves. She, she's like, I screw mm-hmm. this place. Like, uh, yeah. to kumbaya for me, I'm not interested. Um, and Boogie's out of there. Um, and so they continue on and they head towards the scabrous sprawl and they reach it and Lord knows it ain't pretty cause it never is. Um, what do they see? What do they find when they arrive? Oh, sorry. I always, I always jump ahead. I'm sure. What did I miss? I want to talk about the scabrous sprawl a little oh, bit. It's an OG, um, age of Sigmar location. Um, it was corrupted, uh, by Skaven, I think clan pestilence at some point. Um, this is also where Behemoth fell, um, who was the father, the Titan, who was the father of all Gargants. Um, he was asleep here for a while, and then um, Archaon wanted to corrupt him and bring him over to Chaos. And then the um, the Celestin Prime uh, was forced to kill him with one of the great bolts of Sigmar. Um, mm-hmm. which eventually led to the the sons of Biamon being being spawned. Um, so his bones are here. Um, the the since then the right of life made it nicer um, and was one of the things one of the good things that the right of life did that the ever queen um, enacted in that ritual. And so it's kind of come back to life been a little nicer. And in the bones of where Bahamut fell, um, a little city uh, sprung yeah. up. Yeah, a nice little city. What is the city called? I forgot. Titan's um, Rest. Titan's Rest. So a little city was stereo. Because he's just sleeping. And also, one more thing. Um, we have a little bit of classic Age of Sigmar one weirdness. There's this thing floating overhead, <laughs> a giant island called the Great Green Torque, which is like a. Uh, what kind of shape is it? Collar-shaped. A collar-shaped island um, that is really huge, massive. It has 12 seasons on the island. Uh, some of those seasons are Nurgle seasons, which is bad. Um, on the tip of the collars are two giant castles. And then there's a little tiny, like, weird uh thing that reaches from the from the the floating island to the ground they call the umbilicus yeah the umbilicus um but it's just this awkward looking giant thing uh just above the scabrous sprawl yeah good good catch up for the sprawl uh yeah and I was just going to add that, like, it's interesting because the beginning, like, Realm Gate Wars and everything, you hear all this, and you're like, oh, that people, before we really got to know Age of Sigmar, it's like, well, that's too outlandish. That's too high, high magic, floating islands. What is this? And now it's like, oh, that's nice. Oh. <laughs> A big floating island. That's pretty cool. It's I, like home. I miss some of the, I miss Age of Sigmar, some of the really wacky and wild stuff. Yeah, that's true. 
Um, yeah, where, where are the floating molten rivers of metal that are like killing everybody? Come on, like I want. Why did they start giving us so many farmers? Who asked for all these farmers? I don't. <laughs> why <that>. am I <laughs> farmer? <laughs> Boring. Yeah, um, but, but interestingly enough, the reason I think it works is because we're seeing it from normal people's perspective, and they're just like, "Oh yeah, that's the floating island." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, it hits differently when it's just like some dude who's like, "Yeah, it's the floating islands, whatever." Also, I'll, I'll mention the floating the the great green torque does not come up in this story. <laughs> no, just it's, there. it's no. just fun. Yeah, it's just there. Yeah. Um, it didn't occur to me until right now. Maybe this is a later conversation, but I'm jumping ahead. So sorry, I can I can dish it, but I can't take it. Um, in that uh, th- between the two stories, these are very Realmgate War referenced stories. Um, that um, I yeah. though, and that's maybe a theme that we'll get, we can dig. The fact that you all nodded in unison maybe there's means there's a lot to talk about and now ain't the time to do it. So, um, yeah, we'll go ahead. Here's a will theory. Yeah, tell me. Everyone's got all these theories about the fourth edition box whenever that comes. I think it's just going to be a one-for-one remake of the first edition box. They can do it better. <laughs> With new models. We can improve it. I mean, that's another prediction. I wouldn't be surprised if Vandis gets a new model at some point. So, um, anyways, and almost assuredly cool. Well, let's keep going. Um, all right, so they roll up to the sprawl. Uh, do they hear, do they start hearing stuff now too? I'm trying to think what's, what sense senses something's wrong first. Okay. Uh, the first thing is they have all these like lore things. So they've been telling stories about this is a bad place. We don't want to go here. Um, and so this is like, you know, the boogeyman. Oh, no, no, that's the scabber sprawl. This is a terrible idea. Nobody should ever go there. Right. So they've got some of this like, uh, okay i guess we have to go here and it is what it is uh, but the other thing that we have is that um the the air actually the one effect of the great green torque is that the air becomes green and it's a uh, definitely like foggy misty place so you can't see for very far which when everybody is set up in the cast light formation where Talia Vedra was like, hey, this might not be great for like every single place in the realms. It's really good for like open places where you have a lot of sight lines. Like that's really good. But then, oh, we're going to go into this place where there aren't any sight lines and it's super foggy, but I'm sure it'll be fine because we've got these really cool shields. So, and tree people, friends. And then they hear the screaming. <laughs> but also, things are not well in the forest. Like, yeah. it's not a nice little guy ran forest. It's actually got a hunger to it. It's got a weird vibe. Um, I don't know if we can mention that, like, little pits with teeth are opening up. Um, the trees are starting to cannibalize themselves. I don't know what that would look like. I had a little trouble picturing, like, a tree cannibalizing itself. Um, but it, they mention it's it's the the forest is acting more like Gur than Gyran. Yeah. Um, so not a good sign. No. Yeah. I always, just as an aside, I always thought it was hard to of the, of the, all the realms similarities. I always thought Gur and Gyran were the two most similar. Like the difference between trees and beasts is all very wild and stuff. So yeah. To see it happen there, I'm like, oh, 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 no, oh, snap! Like we have that green mist. We have like all this weird stuff happening. And everyone's thinking like, well, this is spooky. Hopefully, like, we can figure out what's going wrong. And then we hear the the horrif- horrifying screams as uh, they realize what exactly is going on here, uh, which is ogres. Surprise. Um, surprise. Yeah. Um, I had mentioned what I really liked about 
like, oh, like Bail Grenier showing up is because they looked at the map and he was nearby. We're following this crusade and like, oh, we're coming to Titan's Rest, which is a huge Bayamot. Like, it's literally Bayamot. He's huge. Uh, so obviously the sons of Bayamot would be around here. But we just saw them back there. So who's hanging out in the stomach of Bayamot? It's got to be ogres because they love food and they love eating and they're going to be doing their own weird stuff here. Are they by a maw path too? I guess it doesn't show it on the map, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it's worth mentioning. We mentioned that city Titans rest before long smashed King brood smashed it a while back mm-hmm. um, and he's not even here anymore. And it's the ogres have moved in and they like, and as will mentioned, they like the symbology of having a big, kitchen uh inside the belly the former belly of a giant mm-hmm. hungry uh, gargant true and although they're not gargants themselves like there is some sort of unifying thread line between like the forces of destruction and i think they probably like mm-hmm. would still give him due reverence in that although he maybe not be a direct servant of the gulping god like i'm sure he eats some i mean he was eating some gnarly stuff so like you can see the connection there um yeah those races and sort of factions um which i thought was neat uh so the Dawnbringers are, you know, trying to inch closer, but I think their scouts are getting fallen into the maw pits. And that's, I think, where some of the screams are coming through. And uh, mm-hmm. unless I'm jumping too far ahead, a battle breaks out uh, when both sides sort of realizes that the other is there. The gorgers are coming out of nowhere and gorging on people. It's uh, it's pandemonium. Well, and you mentioned the you mentioned the gorgers, which is like the other uh, brand new war cry war band that came out. So we have like mm-hmm. another situation of that narrative and those models tying into the overarching uh, narrative and man they make this actually like you can understand why the mortals are terrified of these things yeah because the pictures of the models they're covered in blood they're these horrifying screams they're not big lumbering ogres like we're used to they are like muscular and lean and feral uh and if they're not eating you and clawing into you, the ground is. Mm-hmm. And nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. You're like, peace out. I'm done. Or I just dive into the ground and be like, all right, well, that's the end of this. Hey, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I want to cut away from this battle real quick. <gasps> um, and check on our old boy Kragnos. So, okay. what are you doing? Do you have a Kragnos, Kragnos report for the they field? Did it. Yeah, they uh, they get through the they get through the realm gate. It's water based. So they splash out. They're in the Scabra sprawl. Uh-oh. Convenient. And, yeah. Um, they're in the old Drogruth. Is that right? Drogruth. Drogruth. Settlement, which is Kragnos's people. No survivors. Bad news. Kragnos is upset. Um, and Gobsbrack's there. And he's like, oh, man, sorry, sorry, bro. Like, let me know what I can do. <laughs> However, there is signs that say, hey, if there are any Drogu still alive, we went this way. <laughs> he has the cool Roy's, like, spray paint over all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what? Um, and then um, and then they, they mentioned that uh, Gobsmack was not here to placate Kragnos. He was yep. here to get rid of him. And I'm uh-huh. like, he is trekking up. <laughs> he got him. I didn't see this coming. The, the, the god that can only be tricked is getting tricked once again. You know how uh, yeah. he's the god of tricks? Kragnos is the god of being tricked. <laughs> yeah, being tricked. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. 
Well, that's fun. All right. Thank you for that Craig Nose update. If any further updates uh, arise, please uh, um, interject and let us know. Yes. Okay. Battles. As you might expect, the Dawnbringers, because they lost their Stormcast. Yes, they have Sylvaneth. They're doing what they can to hold off these ogres, but things are not looking good. Uh, ogres home turf, apparently, in which case the turf is spiraling jaws of teeth and stuff. Um, uh, things are not great. So uh, the leader of the Sylvaneth, which is that something Piper dude, uh, he's got a name with a, with T's in it. Tethamir. It's right in front of me. Sounds like I have a got names with T's in it. That guy. Tethamir. Yeah, no, I can picture words holistically. Um, so he uh, realizes uh, things are not going well. Things have taken a turn. Um, so he starts playing a, I was going to say a jaunty tune. It's actually the opposite of a jaunty tune. It's the most discordant, like, it sounds like like this terrifying, terrible screeching song on his little pipe. Um, and everybody's like, whoa, man, like things are bad, but you're, you're making things worse with that song. And you really crush or um, ruining our vibe here. Um, but as we find out soon enough, it's, it's a, I guess a song of summoning or, or something. And mm-hmm. it's a call for help. Um, and as is the trend in this book, who comes cresting over the hill to come save the day? Uh, someone we did not expect. I didn't expect yeah. this character, brand new, brand new person. Who wants to tell me about, um, Belthanos? So Belthanos is basically like, um, we've lost Kurnoff, right? Like Kurnoff isn't here because he got killed way back when. And so what we have now is we have the essence of him. So basically we've got a hunt master um, and the hunt master is Belthanos himself. And he's got this um, moment of I'm leading the hunt. And it kind of talks about how in the background, if he stops leading the hunt, then all memory of Kernwath will disappear into the realms. And talks a little bit later about how, like, all right, so we've got this emissary of a god, but he's listening to this other god in Alaria, like, what, what's going on there? And it's like, yeah, but she's got Kurnoth's spear. So that's the last, like, vestige mm-hmm. of his memory. Uh, so basically, he is the master of the hunt. And because he is Kurnoth, there's this kind of interesting thing where we have these guys called Kranathi. Uh, we might have a war warband, or not, sorry. We might have an Underworld's warband of Kranathi. And uh, turns out he's going to lead all of them into the Scabrous Sprawl. And when I'm talking about Kranathi, if you don't know what they are, they are elves, but they have been changed into, say, deer, but with the body of an elf on the upper torso or cats say for some reason. Uh, so we have an actual full on Kernoth force that is coming in and attacking. So Kernoth hunters we've had for forever, but now we get the first thorn. So the leader of the hunt is Belthanos and all those Kernothi. So we get this complete other um, influence from the Sylvaneth that we are moving forward with, which Awesome. We had Draka, we have Alariel, and now we've got Colonel. Well, I was just going to say, I thought it was odd uh, in that, like, normally with these campaign books, like, you get your one shot, whatever your army is, you get your one, like, uh, visit, uh, or, you know, with the spotlight, and then, like, it just moves on to the next thing. There's, like, 24, 25 armies out there. we got to turn through a lot of them, but, like, we've got a couple examples now of armies 
a double dip in, and it seems a little yeah. unfair. I love Silverneth, but the fact that like they were pretty featured in the last one and featured here seems a little yeah. repetitive. But all right, we got a cool model out of the team. Well, Go ahead, Will. I was say, on that note, I even said last episode, like, man, it would kind of suck for the Sylvaneth players if like their one thing was a small lore blurb and they don't even get a cool model or nothing. <laughs> You're right. Immediately proven wrong in the next book. Yeah, that is true. Um, but yeah, uh, like Paul was saying, they show up to start fighting and immediately it just turns into their favor. Um, there's some wild stuff like toxic flowers just enveloping the Ogors and killing them. And then the Sylvaneth just straight up move the trees out of the way. So we had mentioned that, oh, the Castlade formation doesn't really work in densely forested areas. So they just move the trees and they shot all of the gorgers until they basically died. Yeah. Uh, initially, I'm like, well, that's kind of lame. Actually, no, that's cool. So after I thought about it more, I'm like, yeah, yeah right? that's a good idea. I respect that, especially like taking advantage of both sides' strengths and like using them to... Yeah, because I thought it was helpful. It's one of the things that, like Paven had mentioned earlier, that Thorian had done was like brokered that piece of, hey, if you help us out, we'll try not to blow up as many trees as we can. So the Sylvaneth just moved the trees. Yeah. It's very much a greater than the sum of their parts type situation, too. Like they build off of each other, which is kind of cool. Um, like you said, the battle uh, kind of starts to turn a, a little bit um, in that uh, they, I don't know, classic, the leaders of the ogres start getting trees rammed up them and blow up and stuff like that. Um, actually, uh, Chris Lang had asked, uh, listener of the show, uh, any sniff of new named ogre characters in the book? I mean, I don't think they're going to be big named characters considering that they are now dead. Um, but like there's yeah. a couple named individuals. Did you guys have what bulk lumber gulp was, was yeah. an ogre? Um, was there he was a butcher? Was a butcher? Yeah, I think maybe there's one or two. Do you guys have any other names of ogres in here that were fun that stood out to you? Uh, I think that was the main one. Yeah, it's just the one. That's right. The one I have written down: Slaughtermaster Bulk. Yeah, Slaughtermaster. Gross. Um, so yeah, I mean they're in there, but they're not going to have much big impact because they got treed. But um, uh, so it's things are looking good for the Dawnbringers. Classic uh, help from uh, unlikely sources coming out of nowhere saves the day. Um, but as the ogres are cleaned up, sort of routed, eliminated, um, there's still like this pounding off in the distance that like, yeah. arose in this battle, but it's still going. And yeah. um, Will raised his finger like he wanted to say something. I'd say, before we move on to that, one last cool thing. Um, in that fight, Marshall Thorian, uh, she gets cool... Uh, magic powers I, there's no better way to say it she just unlocks the innate magic inside of her which she's just a free guild marshal um like on foot so it's like a basic war scroll but her character has cooler things than that war scroll would have for the model she represents which i want to see more of let, let the characters do cooler things than the generic war scroll has um, so, uh, something loud and pounding, which is a theme we've heard before is on its way. Um, and the Dawnbringers have to prepare themselves. Um, should we, it, it, at this point in the book where there's a different sidebar, um, which I thought was a little jarring, but I loved it. So like I was torn, I was of two minds about the sidebar. Um, we, the scene switches to, uh, wherever 
Alarial is holding court. I shouldn't say wherever. Apparently, it's where the Oak of Ages past is. It now occurs to me, which is a set location in the world. Uh, it's alive. It kicked out some acorns a few years ago and generated a whole new faction or a whole new unit for uh, the Sylvaneth. Uh, she's standing there and holding uh, a court, a council, perhaps, um, with some other big names, um, with the likes of Krondis and Karazai. Are the two yeah. brother, uh, big dragon, Draconith uh, dudes, um, as well as, surprise, Lord Croak uh, coming out of La Fila. I, I didn't see that one coming. Um, and they're all hanging out, having a nice little chat. Um, Lariel comes to the conclusion, along with everybody else, that Kragnos has got to go. Uh, it took you a while to figure that one out, Lariel, but okay. Um, and they hatch a plan, and uh, true to form, second verse same as the first it sounds like they're gonna try and like trap or ambush this guy we don't learn (laughs) yeah they're gonna trick him we don't learn the explicit details of what they're planning to do but it seems sly um i think they're gonna like try to lure him to the edge of the realm or something like that but beyond that i don't think we know too much more other than there's visions of like a might a big old battle at the end with like i think karazai going toe-to-toe with yeah the horned boy um, well, and part of like that is because Croak shows everyone the visions because he doesn't talk. He just shows everyone pictures, which is like anyone on social media who just shares a GIF instead of words. <laughs> um, I love the idea of Croak as an Instagram influencer. <laughs> right. Um, but part of his like Alariel is like, why is Krondis cool with this? His brother might die. And she's thinking about... Kurnoth, who was her lover and died. Uh, and so Croak has the consoler and like, he just puts a hand on her shoulder and doesn't say a word. Well, he well, just, doesn't move his body because it's a mummy. Eh, um, <laughs> he does show her a vision of Balthanos and just being like, hey, the spirit of Kurnos, as long as we keep his memory, he still lives on inside of us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Metaphorically taps her on the heart and says, "No, he he in here." Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it what, a couple of interesting things that here is one. Lord Croak is one of the original Kragnos trickers. So yep. you know, you're like, he's like, dude, this is so easy. Just like do anything. Like, he's like, hey, watch, wait, watch him do this, and he's around this. Like, um, like, um, but also it's, it's interesting. They kind of imply or like explicitly say that one of the reasons um, Alariel was so keen to enact the right of life is she thought it would bring Kurnoth back mm-hmm. or Kurnoth yeah. back. Um, and it, but it didn't. And he's like, it, and, she, and so she was like, Hey, if he, if he didn't come back then with all this crazy shit that I popped off, like he doesn't seem like he's coming back. Um, but yeah, maybe kind of, yeah, we got the first thorn. He's pretty good. Yeah, well, and he takes it further and says, like, no matter what, what's the line, no matter how many centuries it takes, Kurnoth has not lost you. So he's saying, like, it probably will happen. It may not happen for hundreds of years. It may not even happen in the lifespan of a game called Age of Sigmar. 
but it may happen. <laughs> oh, that's a question I want to ask. And it, well, I'll ask in a, a minute, but I feel like there's more things to point out. Um, at one point in the story, uh, I thought it was interesting that Illyrio gets defensive, that like her right of life freed Kragnos, and that's maybe why she's playing into the idea that she's she's now here to help trap him. But at the same time, she's like, hold up, though. Like, yeah, sure, I freed him, but it was your fault because you killed his race. Like, hey, dragons, <laughs> yeah. um, you did this in the first place, so don't come after me. Like, you've got blood on your hands, too, which I thought was like, all right, well, I, let's just drag up the past. I guess. Um, yeah, and they, these were also the original like um, Kragnos trappers. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they yeah. Lord Croak was one of the people that, tra- and so were these two dragons. They sure, were the, sure. the some of the folks that trapped him originally. So this is like getting the crew back together. If you were going to get yeah, exactly council together. These are the people you'd pick for sure. They've uh, they've it's a retired heisters. Like one last job, one last trick. We got him. <laughs> Uh, getting too old for this. Um, so uh, back to the point about whether or not Kronos exists or, or, or could come back. Did you guys read this as Croak saying that the first thorn of Kronos is as close to Kronos as we're going to get? Or is he implying that Kronos himself would come back eventually? What, how did you interpret what he was saying? Um, he, he'll he be back eventually. The way the way yeah. that for Balthanos reads is like he must he's like the spirit manifestation of the god and he must be ever be hunting and as soon as he hunts the flicker that is left Mm -hmm. will go out so it's he's he's bare he's hanging on kind of in a metaphysical metaphorical sense sense um through this one avatar um and then maybe he can uh, slowly coalesce power also, did you guys know that uh, Kronos was killed by Horticlux Slimux? Which is the yeah, biggest right? letdown. Oh, how embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. oh. The dude has scissors. That's his weapon. Scissors. He's, he's the guard. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. third tier demon Nurgle yeah. character. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. it's a snail. Like he's literally the hunter grumpy. and it's a yeah. snail. And he's like, oh, I, I didn't have any salt. I'm sorry. It's not even yeah. a great unclean one. Like your point, like no. he's, he's just a, um, <laughs> well, I mean, plague bear kind of, um, yeah. which is insane. Um, the thing is, Kurnoth could come back at any time. He's just really embarrassed about it. Yeah. He doesn't want to show his face. Um, I couldn't tell if this was a scenario where like the avatar of Kronos was always going to be what we now used as like his stand in. Like you, I think GW kind of does this sometimes where like where the big thing can't come back. So like the, the perpetual stand in is what's going to be like yeah. the equivalent for him. But yeah. it sounds like I we mean, don't read it that way. We read no. it as um, Kronos coming back. Yeah. Um, good. I yeah. want that. Uh, so I'm glad that we agree. Um, anything else from this little cutout other than we now learn there's a, a plan afoot. I wonder why they're talking about uh, Krakenos right now. It seems like a weird time to bring him up. Weird. Uh, we do have a patron question <gasps> from Will, Lord of the Friend Times. Um, also, uh, Will Lawless sometimes. He changes his username. Uh, do we get info and insight into Dracothian society, culture, and their inner lives? Do they get a voice of their own rather than just being part of the Stormcast War Menagerie? And this little sidebar is like the closest we'll get. It's the Draconith princes working with Alariel. There's not a storm cast in sight, and they're cleaning up a mess they started in the Age of Myth. Um, and we don't see their entire culture, but we do see these two brothers kind of like dealing with the situation and how they've changed throughout the ages and maybe saying goodbye because like Alariel is like pretty sure Karazai is not going to make it. 
Well, but not only are we getting the two brothers, but we're also getting a bunch of younger Dragoneth as well. Mm -hmm. And this is the second time that we've had this mentioned because when Cthorax showed up, he also showed up with a bunch of young Dragoneth as well. Mm -hmm. Cthorax really cool because he's actually doing the coolest thing, which he's searching Shayesh for the underworld of dragons. Yes, he's trying to figure out where that is, and that's a cool, that's a cool, that's a cool yeah. ass Age of Sigmar quest. Yeah, that is. Um, yeah. He doesn't find it, though. No, not yet. Well, yeah. and he's an elder Draconith, not because he's from the Age of Myth like these two princes, just because he got turned old by magic. So he's like 30 years old, but his knees are creaky and his back doesn't work right. He's grumbling this whole time. I feel attacked, Will. I feel I feel targeted. I'm, I'm describing me. <laughs> uh, so You're so. older than he is, so, you know, yeah. it's more of an insult. Yeah, that's true. Um. Yeah, any other thoughts uh, from this cool little sidebar? One of the highlights for the uh, the book for me. I uh, know it's just cool that we're finally like at the level that we were in Broken Realms, where like okay, now the yeah. the gods are our players again, like our play pieces. Like okay, now it's good. Now it can have meta narrative wide ramification. Um, yeah, which I think I don't know what the group prefers, but it seems to be where themes feel like more meaningful. Like I, okay, the game will change or something rather than. I, I like this book where it's both. We're following a mortal crusade and they're just like, as they're going through this map, like, oh, the gods are here and the gods are doing stuff. Now let's go to the next part of the map. And there's these different named characters that have lived here this whole time and they're doing cool stuff. Yeah. I like when there's the ground level perspective perspective of bigger things happening. So like it's big things happening, but you're getting it from the you're you're getting it from a point of view that is closer to me and you than it is gods. I think that's like the balance that I particularly enjoy. And yeah. up until this like this is thus far in this series, this is the best example of that. So Yeah. It'd be cool if we had like these mortals and like Gyran and their perspective of like a big God bearing down on them. <laughs> I feel like I'd really like that. Will, what? your wish is going to be granted, man. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you about what's next. Uh, thump, 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 the loud pounding sound that is always the telltale sound of Kragnos coming out of nowhere off the top rope. Or no, wait, no, mm -hmm. re rewind it back. No, just, uh, my God, is that Kragnos' music? Yep. Um, <laughs> there you go. His uh, entrance music is here. He, he comes rolling up, stomping on fools. Um, and so uh, he's, you know, was sent off in this direction, presumably by the cruel boys, because he's, you know, chasing down remnants of his past culture. Uh, he finds some humies that uh, get in his way, and he's going to put them under his hooves. And so what are you going to do against the God of Earthquakes? Um, uh, what I mean, they, they, they get wrecked. Yeah, get wrecked <laughs> yeah. for sure. Um, especially considering that the, the cruel boys are right there along with him, right? So like he's charging in the front, they're sneaking in the back, uh, putting up numbers against the uh, Dawnbringers. Um, I love it because it's like they're hiding where they like they they just finished this fight against the Ogors. They're inside the rib cage of a god. And that's where they're hiding from a different god as Kragnos is just like beating on the ribs, trying to get at the soft people inside. Sure, he brings down a lot of stuff um, in doing so. Um, but as is the theme of this book, who comes out of nowhere? Um, and it is surprise uh, individual we were just talking about in that little cutout. Got here real quick. Um, Krondus comes swooping in and that's the 
blue uh, Draconith, um, yeah. the more regal Azirian one who's got like the chest plate. Um, and uh, he comes to uh, distract, fight, save uh, the Dawnbringers as they start um, battling. Um, Krondus soon realizes that he, he ought not get too close oh, to oh, oh, hold, oh, hold on, uh, Aaron. If, if you don't mind, I uh, I thought this was going to be one of my patented uh, yeah. even yeah. Oh, it, god it, battles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, we have Kragnos coming in, smashing uh, Dawnbreakers. Not even close. We've talked about the hierarchy of characters <laughs> in the story. Gods are at the top. Nobody that's not a god can beat a god. Um, but we do have a big dragon that shows up. Krondus is coming. Um, Krondus is coming in. Kragnos hates Krondus because the, the dragons genocided his whole people. Mm-hmm. So really rightfully angry. Um, they do some uh, initial confrontation uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Kragnos takes his mace and kind of whoops Kronos's, uh, 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 uh dragon butt. Yep. <laughs> uh, so uh, Kronos backs up a bit, going to try to do pull kind of like kite him at ranged. Uh, casting spells because he's the wizard dragon, if you remember. But that doesn't do anything because Kragnos has the spell immunity shield. So that doesn't work. Um, Kronos is like, okay, I'll just trick him and fly away and he'll chase me. But Kragnos ain't going to fall for that again. (laughs) Fool me twice, you don't fool me twice, right? Um, He just goes back and keeps whooping on the Dawnbringers and starts uh, hammering the bones knocking all the bone shards down onto the humans. Oh, no, don't do it to us. Um, so, um, has got to come back in. So he comes back in and goes into melee. Big mistake. This is a destruction character. Um, Kragnos, ready for it, um, smashes him with the shield and then grabs him by the neck. It's going to choke him out one-handed, break its spine. I'm like, oh, no, I thought this. I thought the other dragon was the one that was going to die. But nope. it looks like Kronos is going to die. And then what happens? Um, boom! The Dawnbringers are back. They use cannons and they just they pepper up his sides with all their little bullets and stuff. And it's kind of like shooting Godzilla. Like you know, it kind of just pisses him off, but it does weaken his grip just enough for Krondus to back away, breathing hard. You know, he could have killed me. Um, and Krondus escapes and just starts booking it. And you know what? Kragnos can't help it. He can't help it. <laughs> he gets tricked. It's in his nature. Um, and then we, we lose uh, we lose Kragnos over the hill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Loved it. <laughs> oh, Paven just signed off. Oh, he just left. Uh, He's gone. <laughs> he dropped his mic. I saw him do it. Um, uh, well, the funny part is, like, you mentioned we see him over the hill. Um, he does get... Like Karazai does his little ambush and like they get ready. I'm like, oh man, two dragons versus Kragnos. And then Krondus leaves. <laughs> it's like, peace out. Like, Sorry, brother. <laughs> no, you could yeah. have done a 2v1. And then like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like so hype. I'm like, are they going to do us a little like killing the gash in like book three of Broken Realms? Or book, was it book two of Broken Realms they killed me? Like, two. Two. Yeah. two. I was like, what? And I was like, oh my God, they're going to kill Kragnos. <laughs> Like good riddance, um, but uh, <laughs> no, they leave us on this cliffhanger. They leave us here. Karazai charges in. They're at the edge of the realm. We're at this cliff. Uh, this the uh, Seraphon are in position. Like this is the trap. This is the trick. And then it cuts away. Yeah, they do the Rocky two ending. They both punch each other in the face and like freeze frame. <laughs> yeah. um, what had me going though is the name of the section is called 
to end an era, which like, yeah, it was like, boom, that's it. That's the end of it. Um, it's not the end of the era. You kill the big guy. Yeah. No such luck. Um, so I can't wait. I mean, presumably, yeah, next book or I guess book after we'll see. Um, and that I think for the most part ends the scenes that we see in the Guyran crusade. But there, as we've mentioned before, it wouldn't be a Dawnbringers book if there weren't other story hints peppered throughout or collated at the end in a series of interesting uh, missives um, that give us hint, uh, hints as to what might be coming. Um, did you guys have any other storylines that these have been hinted at uh, or you know, seeded in here that you guys want to talk about? I'd be curious to know what your faves were. I mean, I'm going to shout from the rooftops yet again about the Estrella Solbright uh, little story section, which is it's coming more and more clear. So when we last saw her and just like an addendum at the end of book two, she was also looking for a cure, just like Ionis was, of the Stormcast flaw in reforging. And she's in Shaish in the summer keep uh, trying to find this prince who can make people feel good. In this book, she is just stepping out of a portrait, which is a realm gate, which I think is super cool. And it matches the regality of a big noble prince who would live in a castle like this. She's no longer in Shaish, but is in Gairan, which is where these books take place. Wild. And she's looking for the Summer King. And... A bunch of hungry eyes are staring at her as she walks through this guy ran fortress, eyes that could only hold madness. Oh my gosh. I can't think of a single thing that that would apply to, though. Actually, though, honestly, the last time I think Bretonians. Yeah, I think so. The last time I saw glowing eyes, I totally thought it was one thing and it ended up being a different thing. And so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the trick. It's Bellacore again. It's Bellacore again. (laughs) I'm glad you got my reference. Um, Yep. (laughs) Tricked me. Um, You missed the the freshly repaired flesh carpet that she stepped on uh, when she came through the the realm gate. Sure, I thought that was normal. So I yeah. <laughs> she was like, and she was like, this repair is flat. This repair is fresh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so good. Um, only been mended within the last few days. Okay, uh, so a couple questions about Astria, uh, Astria Solbright, um, patron of the show, Will Lord of the Friend Times. Uh, is there anything to indicate the teaming up of Astria, Astria Solbright and Ionis Cripborn, given that they're presently pursuing the same quest? I think it's becoming clear. No. And at first yeah. I, thought I was thrown off that I'm like, oh, they're doing the same thing. That seems redundant. Like, let's figure, let's figure out the connection there. But it's very clear now that they are heading in sort of opposite directions, despite the fact that they started with the same goal, which I get. That makes sense. Are, are there are there four of these books? Uh, well, we were talking no. about this before you logged on. Uh, I don't think we know. Is we don't know. Say. Yeah. 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 We can talk um, more about that. There point. are four currently announced books. Hmm. There's that. Um Similarly, patron of the show, Mealhern, was asking why Ionis, Cripborn, and Soulbright meet in search of a cure. I think they're heading in different directions uh, yeah. at this point. Well, um, and it's sort of like um, how they announce for this book series, like one city will succeed and one city will fail. I feel like one of these two isn't going to have a good time searching for this cure. Um, I feel like we may see here in a future book who exactly fails and how hard do they fail. Yep. Exactly right. Um, so it seems like Cripborn has taken Reforged Stormcast uh, for some mission that we don't know about. Uh, and Soulbright is going to stumble across some fleshy courts, would be my guess. Um, what? Yeah, right? Who so really, they, since book one, which is uh, thankfully we're tying something to book one, they're really setting yeah. up the Summer King as maybe the big bad mm-hmm. for the Gyranite Crusade because they're heading right towards 
his spot. Um, so we're, or is he the big good? Oh, yeah. Especially considering Nagash is like not keeping him. He's not around. He can't tell him what to do. So I, I had a question, and this is a, a kind of uh, a lore based question, but um, you're on the we right are, podcast, man. I know, right? Uh, the Gearanite Crusade is heading towards the neck. Yeah. And if you look on the map, is the neck the neck of Bayamut? Because when they were being attacked, they were being attacked by Kragnos, and they were in the neck of Bayamut. So it's not the neck of Bayamut. Like, it's further up. It's called the neck, but it's more like a, like, almost like an isthmus. So it's like I, the, I don't think it's connected to Bayamut. I think they're just like, that looks like a neck. Duh. Okay. I was just curious because, you know, there was the neck and then there's the neck. And I, I don't know which the neck we're talking about. Is well, yeah. All the coolest places are on isthmuses. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think you're um, mad. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that, <laughs> both things can be true. Um, all right. So that's a pretty cool story. Um, do you guys have other stories uh, at the end there that you thought were particularly interesting? Yeah, I liked the uh, we 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 circle back on Grobsbach, 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 Grobsbach. All right, Grobsbach. I love the um, typing in the notes that nobody did it. Or it was not written the same way twice, and none of them are right. Gabberspork. Um, <laughs> so he's back in Gur. You know, he's bounced out, and he's talking to a bunch of orcs, and he's saying, "Hey." Um, you know, Gork told me to tell Kragnos to do this, which is fight a bunch of people in Gyran. And all the orcs are like, let's join Kragnos. He's got a great scab. He's like, nah, Kragnos is doing his own thing. It's going to take him a while. But he told me that he wants you all to go smash all the Umi cities. Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh, really? And they're like, yeah, but you got to you know follow me because I'm like, I'm in with all these guys. Um, so we have Gobsprack taking control of a Wa in Gur to go smash some things. Um, so the trickery, the tricking worked um, it as it always does. Um, um, and he is now in control of the Wa. I feel like this was a lot of steps for a plan because I think like people already thought he talked to Gorkamorka. Like I don't know why he had to, like also talk to Kragnos and then get rid of Kragnos later. Uh, maybe he thought he didn't actually like to hang out with Kragnos. He's too. Distracted. I think that's what it was. Yeah, he was like, "This guy's gonna get me killed." Um, also, so that's fun. I'm curious where that um, that kind of uh, that I can't right. predict. Right, the other ones seem pretty clear, yeah. like generally where they're headed. I don't know what the deal is with that. I don't know what they're yeah. going to do. We, I, is this is this the time for Gordrak to get his groove back? I know we yeah. talked about that before. I think so. Because <laughs> yeah, the fist of Gork, the voice of Mork. We're almost there. Um, yeah. I, I think it's yeah. really like it's designed to unshackle the greenskins from Kragnos because they're like, Good. oh, let's, you know, we've got this cool new god and the orcs are following him. They're like, well, you know what? But we want to do different things with these orcs. Mm-hmm. And they should do orc things, not Kragnos things. Let's mm-hmm. just slice him away, put him over there so Back they can go do orc stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah it could they, be just that. that, and that's that's worthwhile enough yeah. and simple enough an explanation. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, they're they're also implying that the Drogruth are alive, and so yes. maybe there's a centaur destruction faction that that they want to do. I would be so happy. That's what happens. Also, what the orcs call Gyran is the big planty realm. 
<laughs> and so shall I uh, from here. Yeah. On. Big Planty. Yeah. It's also my rapper name. <laughs> Big Planty. Big Planty. Um, I'm, and, I'm, um, and I'm Lil Planty. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then another story at the end, which I think we'd already dissected a little bit, but uh, there's a missive um, from a Hunter Prime to a Lord Imperitant talking about how uh, Ionis Cripporn had swooped in and saved them in some dire situation. Um, but like uh, the... Um, but at, after the battle, they have some missing Stormcast. Where'd they go? Don't worry, we're, we're not going to stop until we find them. But it is odd that they've disappeared. And we haven't heard that they've been reforged. They haven't been sent to Azir. Where could they have gone? Um, with the implication being that maybe Cripporn has something to do with it. So, Yeah, we saw Cripporn leaving with a giant sack. <laughs> that was writhing like, and wriggling. <laughs> yeah. It had, had uh, Stormblades and, and Stormhammer sticking, like, shaped sticking out of it. Um it's pretty silly. Um, were there other, or is it just the three at the end there? Um, those were the three, and then there's a final little bit about oh, each yeah. crusade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anything interesting in there? I don't recall. Um, so we mentioned like eight times before this that Corgus Cool shows up, <laughs> and he, you know, looks off from a distance menacingly yes, at, the, yes. at the crusade, but he is more wise now, and he doesn't just charge oh. in. And he has a greater task than killing the hammer hand. Um, and it also mentions the Gortide. The Gortide also fought trolls and goblins at points. Um, so I don't know if like that, if like six armies have fought the Trog army by now. So like, is that resolved? How are they still it around? Be, it seems like there's enough, there's enough trolls as needed. At any point in the story, but they're. I, mean, I think they needed the trolls at least in this story to give a reason for the Dawnbringers to keep running. Because if they didn't have that thing nipping at their heels, then they like you could argue, well, they could rest, they could stop, but like they needed an impetus to keep them. You get open. to rest. Well, yeah, I mean, finally, you know, at, at, at the end of it, they needed the beginning of the book to keep them moving, such that they yeah, could earn the reprieve I, at the end. The Aideneth, as an apology for killing so many people, give them like their white noise uh tides magic yeah. and everybody gets to sleep nice <laughs> one time news um, <laughs> yeah, yeah their water magic um and and then paul mentioned this earlier bats fly in front of the moon mm-hmm. i don't I, I i was very curious what you all thought that was because like, presumably soul blight um which, well in the same way that like deep can had a hot second in this book like that that could be all it needs to be. Yeah, I would hope that's it. That's all the sort of like. Yeah, they just get bats flying. They were the bats. Um, yeah, and then the the gear and I one is like they're moving forward, and do they also get a good time to get some rest because there's just like no bad guys in front of them, and they come up to all these different settlements, and they've been deserted, and there's super helpful signs written in red paint doesn't look like paint um but the the summer king has been pointing the way for them and uh marshall thorian is like man whoever the summer king is he's great i hope we get to meet this dude uh and that i hope he's going to help us fight chaos let's go that way yeah that's gonna be good (laughs) obvious big mistake no um also all the sylvaneth leave for (laughs) reasons because they needed to shear off. Belvedere's got to keep hunting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, Tethamar goes to report to the Ever Queen, um, who's busy, by the way, fighting Kragnos. Um, actually, this all leads into a, another good question from um, Flesh Symbol Flesh Eater Two Plus D Three Mortals. 
symbol, um, any hints to the next book's focus factions? So I think we've alluded to a lot of them. If we, you guys want to rattle off some names to factions yeah. that are going to come up. Flesh of the Courts. Boom, easy one. Uh, Gortide. Uh, Gortide. Bloodbound. Also a big one, I think. Will, you got another one? Nope, uh, uh, Corn. Sure. Um, Soulblight. Soulblight, just because the bats would be my guess. Um, I wonder how many, and I'm not going to stop to count, but Possibly I wonder how many. Night Haunt. Um, if we're looking at this map, um, yeah, it's called the Knife Weight Crossing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that that feels a little ghosty. That sounds ghosty. Well, there's the well, gates of whatever that, that are spewing out death magic, so that's probably the something. gates below. Oh, but I guess maybe that's the soul blight, right? Because that's that side yeah. of um, things. Um, well, and there's I remember the first book, maybe the second book. One of the previous books had a cool little poem they had of the different things the crusades would fight against. And one of them was like gloom or fear, or it was like a word associated with night haunt. So I'm assuming night haunt might show up. And then there isn't really a hint in this book, but it's actually a hint from the anniversary preview that they did, which was when they announced this book, they were like, yeah, all of the Dawnbringer books are going to kind of be themed around the different Grand Alliances. Reign of the Brute was Destruction. This is Order. Dot, dot, dot. So I kind of figure book four is going to be death-focused based on some of these hints that we're picking up. But then uh, where does Corgus come in? It <laughs> must be a secret fifth book. Ooh, ooh. Corgus Cole. Um, yeah, okay. So, I mean, we'll, we can bring that up now. Will's of the opinion that there's going to be a, at least five Dawnbringer books. He's on record yeah. for speculating that. He has convinced me that that is a possibility. I'm not certain that it'll be true. Again, we've looked at the timeline or the trajectory of, I think, just 2023 of the different books yep. that they've announced. And we've seen that there's at least four Dawnbringers books. There's no reason mm-hmm. to think that they can't go beyond that, especially considering who knows what will come next year between. Well, between now and summer, when everyone is speculating, we'll get a new edition because it's the three year cycle. Maybe a fifth book, which means I mean, because there's a lot of things to tie up and there's all sorts of things that we don't know are going to be in the next books that will sort of fill in the major like plot, like advancements, like yeah. the Deepkin event and like the the Ogre event. Like those aren't things that were telegraphed in any way, but they still sort of, I hate to call it padding, but we'll mm-hmm. pad out the story in between the big events. And so because of that, um, I can see how there'd be more than more than one left um, or it'll be mm-hmm. a real beefy one. Otherwise um, yeah. I'm with Will. I think there's probably another one, just both the timing to get us to the summer. Hmm. Um, we need, at least two books, given that it's only the fall now. And um, there seems to be like enough open plot threads with Kragnos, the Gortide, the Summer King, and what the hell is Archeon doing? Because uh, like the Varengard did show up, or, or Bellicor, but yeah. did show up in book one um, with Nurgle. And... Uh, um- they even had a title for a new character, Her Highness in Ruin. Who is she? I want to know. I'm so sure a listener had asked, but since it wasn't in this book, I didn't include it. But yeah. yeah. Oh, um, uh, I want to I go on record. I think Daughters of Cain will be in the next one. There is ooh. a place near the neck called the Gulf of Hags. That tracks. That feels <laughs> uh, like, you know, yep. maybe there well, are daughters over there. And that's like my point of like this book especially more than the previous one is like the writers are like looking at the maps and going, Oh, right. We have all these places. This is how we can naturally fit all these different factions in. And we already did that work. 
perfect. It's a very like map driven campaign type thing where like going yeah. from place to place necessitates some of these like investigations of action. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really actually like that. I feel like this yeah. is more grounded and geographical than a lot of Age of Sigmar stuff. Like yes. The original maps we got in Age of Sigmar were kind of like medieval, like nonsense maps um, that they just felt like drawings. Uh, but these feel like, okay, there's a place and then there's, and then there's, you know, it has, it's next to other things and those things have ramifications for this story. Yeah. And I think that's good. And it's so in depth that it makes me think that they're working on a total war age of Sigmar game in this air in these two areas because they're fleshing out the map so much. Okay. That's a, that's a hashtag. That's a wild theory. Yeah. But it just, it's what I thought of it. This reminds me like, Oh, and here's this legendary Lord. I've, I, I, I think last time, every or maybe every time we talk about which which crusade we do, we think is going to fail, and I think we've said it's been the Gyran one every time. Um, has anything happened to change y'all's minds? No, I have the same theory that the Gyran will be a successful flesh eater court crusade. <laughs> yeah, not a successful Dawnbringer one. I can see that be, being the case. Um, yeah, how about you, Paven? I am a little, kind of a little bit going the other way because I think, one, they might want to give Corgus Cool a big win. Yeah. And him destroying the crusade might be that win. And I really, Isela Thorian, I like the cut of her jib. I think she's great. (laughs) She might, she might have what it takes to go the distance. To go the distance. Yeah. That's cool. She's great. Paul, you had a question. So uh, we got a Warcry expansion of Order versus Destruction. And in the winter, we're getting a Warcry expansion of Order versus Death. So what Order Warband do we think we're getting? Sounds like a question for the dogs. A Warcry podcast. He asked me. If only... Um, I would, I would, I think the Order Warband will be Sylvaneth. Could be. Or <gasps> Kurnathi, perhaps? Seems a little too soon. Mm. That's just wish, that's wish listing. I don't actually think it's true, Maybe. but that's that's what my wish list would be. That'd be yeah. cool. The question is, who is the death? Because we've already gotten Flesh Eaters and Vampires. So there's only two left. Orsiak, Bone Reaper would be really cool. Yeah. I was going to say Flesh Eaters if it, they hadn't just gotten one, because in the same way that the city's got a Warcry Warband with the army re release, like you could see how the new Flesh Eater courts, which we assume is coming, um, new army would also maybe come with the Warband yeah. too. Um, but I'm thinking it's ruled Soul out. Like got, just got one this year too. Yep, the Eskergan. Oh, yeah, true. So oh. I think maybe Nighthaunt, that would be cool. Sure. And especially with this prediction cool. that Nighthaunt might come up again. Um, we were kind of answering some other listener questions that I want to get on the books because we skipped over some other ones. I want to make sure we got their due. So um, we, we can answer some of these to build off of some of our previous responses. Um, patron of the show, Domir, wanted to know what feels like the biggest enemy of the Dawnbringers at this point. We've cleared out a lot of enemies, but there's still some remain. What do you, th- what do you think is the biggest enemy besides themselves? What? Um, or the realms, I guess, is also a pretty big enemy too. Um, but who do you think the biggest enemy is maybe for both? Or Crusader, pick one if you so desire. I think Corgus and the Shore and the Summer King. I feel like those are the two ones they're highlighting. I don't know if they're still going to be the biggest enemies, but it's the ones they are putting big signs around and pointing at. Watch out for, for these two. Yeah. Does anybody yeah, disagree I, with those answers? 
I feel like if Trug or King Brood wanted to finish the job, they could. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they, they like be, they beat the Crusades once on like a home turf, like, you know, um, but I don't know. Like, I hope they do something else because those those characters were like kicking a lot of butt. Um, but yeah, I don't think they'll show up again. I'm going to go with Kragnos. Because they set it up of, we know what's going to happen, and this is how it's going to happen, and this is where it's going to happen. And I feel like that's way too, we know exactly what's going to happen, so obviously it's going to work the other way. Or is it going to be a situation where Karazai does have to fight Kragnos, but like on top of the bodies of the Dawnbringers that they... Like, they yeah, right. On. Um, They're not even looking, it's just on accident. Yeah. Oh, well, awkward. Um, Minerva's asked a question, uh, does it feel like these books have progressively more higher stakes narrative? Yeah, progressively. Yeah, that's what they say. Uh, we've got some of the most established characters reappearing, and even big more models and such. If this is the case, where else is this leading, and what level of changes to the world are we going to see? Uh, I think we've already talked about that. These are progressively had higher stakes yeah. as the scope has grown. So I think we've already really touched on that. Um, what level of changes to the world are we going to see? I'm going to steal this one. I think Kragnos is either going or going to be so diverted that is to not be a big player anymore. So I think that's going to be yeah. one of the big ones. Do you guys see any other changes, large changes to the world coming up? I mean, I feel like that's the big one. It's it's an end of an era. Like we'll see more flesh eater courts. We'll see more corn play about. I don't know if that's going to be like realm shaping changes or just big changes for those factions. But I think Kragnos is the big one. You know, I have a, I have a, I have a, I have a paven theory. Um, I think they're going to, I think what's going to happen to Kragnos, they're not going to trap him under a mountain because he's got a cool model and they're not going to like get rid of him that way. But what would be cool if they sent him to um, Ulgu and he just pops into Ulgu and he like, he's like super lost, right? Because it's all like, you can't find anything. So he's just like running around Ulgu, kind of like out of everybody's way, but also upsetting a lot of the powers there. And that would kind of, that can like start the dominoes going to, you know, shine the light back in Ulgu. And it like gives a good destruction beachhead in Ulgu, which hasn't really well, happened ever. Yeah. And what's worse for Kragnos, the god of being tricked, than having Malarian just kind of sit the there tricks. and yeah. he's just gonna be putting up dummies for him to smash like constantly. Yeah. <laughs> That would be funny. Actually, I think it's telling because I, yeah, I think they'll send him somewhere again. And I think it'll it'll be intentional where they send him. I think it'll be on purpose where they being GW, I think it'll be a purpose wherever they send him because that'll illuminate like some down the line uh, situation would be my guess. Um, what if they try and send him somewhere, but it gets messed up and he ends up in his ear? And that's the first thing we see cool in his too. ear. Uh oh, Skedios. Yeah, that's not great. But I mean, I, I, that'd be fun. Like, I honestly don't Jones and I don't feel like they'd take that one away from Archon. Archon. No. Yeah, they got to they got to let him pierce the gates. Yeah. But like how great would it be if like Archon's been planning this for millions of years and then there's just like, oh, this god of earthquakes. They whoopsie Kragnos in the yep. <laughs> exactly. But he's on the He's on the other side, yeah. so Archon opens the gates and Kragnos runs through and smashes every. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen. I don't think. Well, I don't think it'll come up, but I would have loved to have seen Archon versus Kragnos. Like, what would that fight have been like? Or like, yeah, what would that battle have been? Um, I mean, Kragnos angered Archon so much that Archon accidentally lost an entire circle of Varengard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So true. there's a little bit of animosity there. Sure. 
another question from patron Domir. Uh, what would you like to see from this that we haven't seen yet? I feel like we've done a fair bit of wish listing. Do you have any other, let's ring it out. Anybody got any other wish list stuff that they want to see uh, that we haven't seen yet besides for me, just every other faction. What do they say? At least 12. What yeah. At least 12, at least 12. So we'll, we'll, we'll get what? I uh, like new models and rules or something. Okay, gotcha. I don't so it's like not even in the story, but while we're talking, someone count up how many we've gotten so far but don't we don't need to distract while we do so um is there any other things that you guys want to see that we haven't seen yet or any they follow up the question with some kind of regiment or army of renown that you should think that you think should be included so maybe i ask both of those at the same time what's missing an army of renown with spiders classic classic answer uh i say karnathi if we're just wish listening uh i want to hear from uh gordrak Archeon, Bellicor, Slanesh, maybe like Marathi okay. uh, 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 and uh, it's not Melikith, it's uh, Malarian. Malarian, yeah. Gosh, John, I want to like all those other big characters that were big question marks. They're giving me a lot of stuff that I didn't ask, didn't know I wanted, mm-hmm. uh, but I want some of the stuff like <laughs> them to pick up some of the plot threads I do want. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. It'll be interesting when we do uh, the end of the year's uh, fantasy draft where we ended up from last year, which would be interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, Sigmarnalia. Yeah, there you go. All right, we should probably start planning that sooner rather than later. Um, all right, cool. Uh, Chrisling asks, uh, as we approach the climax of DBC, I love it. Who's got time to say Dombringer Crusades? Oh, God, I just did. Um, <laughs> is there any indication where the name character... Uh, is there any indication what the named characters will turn their attention towards after the series ends? For example, Trug. Um, I think Trug's going to go wherever his headaches take him. Um, kind of a broad question. Uh, um, so just kind of running down the list, Karazai and Kragnos, they're going to have their big fight. Two big boys enter, one big boy leaves. Um, Alariel, I don't think there's really much going on with her. I think Belthanos is going off on his hunt. I don't know if he is really doing anything intentionally. I think he's hunting the rest of the Ogors, but what happens after that, who knows? I kind of want to see him and King Broad go at it since they're right next to each other. Like, like, like this? Oh, oh, yeah, I just I, oh, no, heads. No. Yeah. Oh, no, not that kind of, okay. I see. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think who else is named. We've got, um, the Anvil Smasher who is in that White Dwarf story. His whole thing is he wants to smash all the cities. We've got Godsprack who wants to smash all the cities. Uh, we've got the Mounted Orcs who want to smash all the cities. Um, These are in trouble. Trug wants to smash all the cities. Uh, Braggit wants Trug to smash all the cities. <laughs> I'm sensing a trend. I'm sensing a thing. Yeah. Gardas is going to get reforged. I guess you could ask, what, what do you think uh, Ionos Cripborn is going to do? Like, he's up to something. Um, so he's... Yeah, they they... They opened up a lot more plot threads than they closed in this book. Yes. Um, so it's exciting. There's a lot of ways to go. Um, yeah. And we'll see. I mean, I wonder how many. Cool. Yeah. I guess I got to be careful, but I'll say, I wonder how many of these plot threads are intended to be closed up in Dawnbringers and how many of these plot threads are continuations for like an, an expedition. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's going to, a lot of this is table setting for, I, mm-hmm. I imagine a lot of this is table setting for the release next summer that we all feel pretty confident about. Yeah. Um, but it's, I don't know which ones are which. Yeah. Like I'll say, I think Ionis is going to be a next edition stuff. I don't think we're going to see him again because they made it very clear. His story is tied to Shayish. 
and like that's where him and his dragon have been. They just popped over to Akshi for hanging out with their friends and then kidnapping other friends and then leaving. That's how friends treat friends. Yeah. Um, but I think that's going to bring us to our final thoughts, your final review of this here book. So uh, in no particular order, which is to say the order that we normally go in, um, I'd, Paul, I'd love to hear, what did you think of this here uh, Dombringer book? I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm not usually a huge fan of cliffhangers because I want to know what happened, but like this is pretty sweet and a pretty good cliffhanger um, to have two gods basically facing off against each other. So I'm super pumped to see how that resolves. Cool. Um, well, in that case, we'll just keep going. Hey, Paven, what do you think of this here book? Best one yet? Yep. Oh, neat. All right, cool. This is how we're going to do it. Um, all right, Will, hey, what did you think of this here book? I, I had a more in-depth answer. Yeah, please. Um, um, no, I, I I think this is my favorite one so far because I think every aspect of the Gear Knight side I really enjoyed. We got like the more personal stories like from the eyes of the Dawnbringer seeing the Gorgers, horrifying, and then also it zoomed out to these godlike battles. And I thought that was a really cool, like, the transition was done well. It didn't feel super jarring. It was like a little WWE. We made the like joke of, oh my God, is that Craig Nose's music? But it was like in a fun way, not like being shocked. The action inside was a little jarring. I think there's a little bit of pacing issues. But the moments we got with Ionis and Vandis, I thought were, were really well done. Um, best one yet. I agree. And I, the first one, it was all low level, no high stakes. This one was a balance of both, which I feel like we need in AOS. Uh, I echo a lot of what you said. Um, yes, I agreed. This is the best one yet, especially because it's heading in the direction that I have wanted. So, like, if we play back the, I guess you could call them complaints for the previous books. This start, <laughs> this starts to does not completely uh, resolve them or like satisfy me, but it is so much closer than the previous ones do. So, like, I, I that is the trajectory I want to head in and you know what in fact it somehow makes the previous books better because now i know that that it was like an upward slope right like yep. it, it headed in that direction and now i feel better knowing that i imagine the next one next one is going to either ramp up or at the very like, at least keep it at this level and that i'd be fine with that too so um from like a um, scape, uh, scale or scope level we're getting we're getting closer to that sweet spot for me so because that i'm really into it um I think taken individually, there's so many highlights in this book, so many great moments sort of by themselves. And that's that's okay. That's enough for me. I'm happy with them to be sort of taken in individual isolation. Maybe the way we go from one to the other, I think we talked about pacing issues. But you know what? Honestly, that doesn't that's not so necessary to me. It doesn't need to read as like a, a books, like a black library novel narrative. Um, oftentimes it does you're gonna have to read with that sort of jumps and starts and ups and downs, and, and that's that's also fine. I mean it'd be cool if we can smooth those out. Um, but that, that I can live with it. Um, I think thus far, the best moments of the entire Dawnbringers have occurred in this book, the Vandis and Ionis, the, um, mm -hmm. the, uh, the council with, uh, Alario and the group trying to get rid of Kragnos, um, all, uh, great things. And it almost feels bad because there were some really like cool on the boot, like boots on the ground, like moments in those previous books too, that I hate. Like in hindsight, I feel like I'm, poo-pooing them a little bit those are also great too but it's just if i had to pick one or the other i, I like this type of stuff um, and i'm repeating myself um a great campaign books makes you uh drool over what's coming next like the, all, all these all, so many questions from the listeners all right all right yeah cool talk about this book but really what's coming in the next book uh us uh 
Age of Sigmar fans are never satisfied with what's in front of us. We always <laughs> want to know what the next thing is. And uh, I love when they cater to that baser instinct. Um, you think I wouldn't? I feel like I'm being manipulated a little bit. Don't care. Manip- manipulate me all you want. Um, I love looking forward and keeping that momentum moving forward. A lot of new stuff was introduced here, um, and I can't wait to see it pay off. And I have nothing else to add. That seems about it. Um, so all in all, I really, really dug this one. Um, cool. Any other final thoughts before we shut her down? Excellent. Uh, in that case, it's time for our reforging. But Sigmar Willing will be back soon. Like, subscribe, share, leave a review. Join us on Discord. Drop a tip on our Patreon. Anything you can do will spread the word of Sigmar farther than we can on our own. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter at Immortal Realms. Paul, where can they find you online? At PJ Shard. Hey, Paven, where can they find you on the internet? Can't find me on the internet. Nice. Don't even bother looking. <laughs> hey, Will, where can they find you on the World Wide Web? Um, for now, I'm still on X as at Age of Sever, and I'm also on Blue Sky simply as Sever. Cool. And I'm Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at Dosesos, and probably a bunch of other places that I won't list here. And you can find all our Moral Realm shows and content at www.moralrealms.com. Finn. Guys, I have to paint an army for this weekend. I do not have time to be editing (laughs) podcast episodes. Five-hour podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Only three. Sand some things that may not be appropriate on here. By the way, it's five on the podcast tonight. Yeah. Uh, But we get taxed based off of the number of (laughs) Uh, Paul's going for another Patreon split. (laughs) Exactly. All right, cool. We've been dancing around the subject for a while. Let's get into the story phase. That's what everybody's here for. Hey, Paul, would you be so kind as to take us there? I would. Give me one half second. I'm going to pull it up to make sure I read it correctly. Nerd? No, I I, I don't, because I want to make sure that I'm in the moment. Blind. Welcome to the Moral Realms and Age of Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path to the cast board your own narratives. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Fair, fair. You, you, you got that. I, I will take that. I mean, I didn't even have a pun to begin the episode, so I deserve that. Yeah. that that's all I got to say. Fwethon. Fwethon. Fwethon?